Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? This is a this is a fun one. This is a uh, the exciting return for another one on one with Chris Thayer. Chris uh, was my opener for many years. He was a writer. He did the web writing for uh, the Pete Holmes Show. Very very funny. One of the most naturally funny people I've ever known in my life. And uh, we hadn't seen each other for quite a while. Um, he we'll get into that. He was in New York for a time, and we finally got to catch up. And I, I think it got very very interesting. So I hope you agree. And enjoy. There's nothing uh, to plug on my end. If you want any uh, T-shirts or there's stickers and stuff, there's PeteHolmes.com. It's always there. <laughs> it's always there for you. And our sponsor is uh, today's episode is brought to you by the wonderful Squarespace. You guys know this. Whether you need just a simple landing page or a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, everything is included with your Squarespace website. So start a free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code weird to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, set your website apart. Uh, Thank you, Squarespace, for your support. If you guys want to support the show, get on that Squarespace uh, deal or, uh, like I said, all that stuff on PeteHolmes.com. In the meantime, please enjoy the wonderful Chris there. Get into it. Okay. Are you recording that? Are you recording this too? I am... Tipping my Lyft driver. Oh. And putting my phone on airplane mode. They tip on Lyft? Yes. Gross. Jesus. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> they tip on a lot of those things. Uh, I use Postmates a lot. I'm a good uh, Postmates tipper. I know, yeah, I know people who have delivered to you. I know people that have t- delivered to me because a lot of them are comedians and they'll be like, I'm a comedian. Yeah. Hey, I'm a comedian. That's how they feel when they tip to you. I mean, uh, tip when, they what? To, when they deliver to you. They're like, oh, <laughs> Hey, wait! The, wait, you know them personally? Yeah. Was it Dan Stone? Dave. Dave Stone. <laughs> Poor. What am I this supposed to remember? What am I supposed to remember? The name of a man who I met, who is yeah. an established comedian? Yeah, maybe. Not da- Dave Stone is an established comedian. Yeah. Then it must be Dan Stone. It wasn't Dave. Who's Dave Stone? <laughs> Do I know? I like how Dave you tried Stone to make is? it better and then you made it worse. Yeah. Dave Stone did the Should podcast. He's the guy who lived in the van. Oh, are you sure his name is Dave Stone? Oh my I bar- god, I barely know him. <laughs> He's great. I, we don't. You don't have to cut this out. I, I forgot Dave Stone's name. It happens. Please cut it out. Why? I don't want to be associated with this. I met him <laughs> on the podcast that I did his documentary. I should know his name. That was years ago. Dan. Are you sure it's not Dan Stone? Stone. <laughs> Anyway, I'm trying to remember the name. Who who rides for Postmates that you know? Uh, Frankie, who makes he makes videos with Corey and Donnie. Frankie Quinones. Quinones? Mm-hmm. That sounds like a euphemism. <laughs> yeah, I guess it just, just sounds like Calliones, which is or Italian cojones. for both. Cojones. Calliones is how my dad always said it. That seems like something your dad would do. You know my dad. <laughs> I know your dad. You met my dad? Oh, on the show, on the talk show. Yes. I've also been to your house. I know that, but I didn't know my dad was there. I don't think he was. I remember you Instagrammed a photo of my mom washing the windows, and then didn't you feel weird because they live in such a palatial mansion that you're like, is this too too much info? Uh, maybe. 
I remember us talking about like, yeah. you know, like, is it okay to post this photo? Because they, do, I didn't even realize until I saw that photo that they do live in a very <laughs> nice house. Yeah, they like live a on ridiculously nice house on a body of water. I won't say which one. <laughs> <laughs> the Atlantic Ocean. How did they find their house? It's well, a big people, ocean. People know they live in Arlington. There's only so many. I don't care if people know that my parents live off a of body of water in Arlington. <laughs> And I don't care that people know that I forgot Dave Stone's name. Oh, my God. I don't care. Don't edit it out. He quadrupled down. Don't edit it out. Oh, my God. Why is it so offensive to forget the name of somebody that you've met once or twice? (laughs) I don't know. Once or twice. Probably because I've met them more times. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But 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 once you're in the double digits, then you should remember the name. That's so interesting because I always have thought of you as a person who's really good at remembering names. I try. I try to be really good at it, yeah. but sometimes, you know, how but many, I think maybe, 350 people have done this podcast? I think you being good at names um, applies more to you being at clubs than anywhere else. You mean with fans? No, like the staff and stuff. Yes. Because you'll be like, hey, Brenda. You yeah. Know, like, and right the crew. Away. Like, that's what I do. It's like what I really try hard to know everybody's name on the but crew. But it is admittedly, I, I mean, there's so many comics. Yeah. Most of them look the same. I spent like five minutes yesterday trying to remember somebody in Valerie's family's name. Yeah. Like, and these are important people to me. They made my favorite prison. You You're know like, what I mean? They grew up with It her. was dad. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the other problem is you think of them as mom and dad. I'm not saying <laughs> yeah. who it was, but it took me five minutes of just standing there. And it's not that your brain, it's like my brain was exhausted. My brain still is kind of exhausted from doing the show. And some of the first things that go are some of the names of people that Dave Stone would certainly consider me an acquaintance. We're yeah. not chums. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah. We did two little things together. I'm, I'm glad I know him. And he was an interesting episode. Yeah. Maybe I should re-listen to it. But even then, <laughs> it's, I, I just, you know, this happened to me here in Meltdown. I went down and uh, met somebody, and I thought I was meeting them, and they were friends with Mike. And I was just like, hey, I'm Pete. And they go, we've met, actually. And I was just like, what, why are you doing? And it was yeah. one time, and it was in the middle of like a, a social situation with a lot of people. Right. And it's like, just swallow it. Yes. Just skip it. I think it depends on how you say it. I think sometimes I'll go, oh, I think we've met. And I, but I, you know, I'm not trying to go, we've met. Yeah. That I that I, you can fuck you know up with you that. know what I like is we've met actually at, we've at actually, the party yeah yeah, Remem- yeah. I, I wouldn't expect you to remember but I, I right. saw you and I I think you're cool and I remembered meeting you or whatever it might be oh so loads I, of compliments I, I threw, <laughs> but just take, let them off the hook yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean like yeah. why why embarrass somebody and don't turn me into a show business phony because people were supposed to be like nice to see you and then you say that to everybody you've now changed me into a phony. So what I'll do is I push back. People go like, we've met – this wasn't this person here. But like other times people will be like, we've met actually. And I'm like, oh, isn't that terrible? You know what I mean? <laughs> Just like, fuck you. Don't do that. Yeah. I, was, I will say I think the reason that <laughs> – it's like we've been talking about this thing for like 10 minutes now. I think I busted your balls about it. Couldn't possibly. Because – uh, I always Names? air yes, or, or just about Dan and Dave or whatever. I think the reason that I even said anything is because I always air in the side of just not trying to say anyone's name. Well, that's the world we're. I don't creating. remember anyone's name. These social police are creating fear. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? I'm so, so it's like, don't take a chance. Say nice to see you, and and to that I say, fuck you. Nice to meet you. We've met. Well, that's the risk you run. People I know, well, <laughs> yeah, close friends with. Sometimes I'll be like, if I need to call, you you rarely use their name. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
So if I'm in a position where I have to like get their attention, I'm, I like start freaking out. I go, well, what if I'm wrong now? What if I forget it? That's interesting. What if I, what? That's funny. I mean, maybe not people that's how I'm I feel that every, close with, but people I... Every time I walk friends. into a bathroom and I see the urinal, I go, yes, pick the, <laughs> I got the right one. And similar, you shouldn't be worried about this, but you do. What yes. if you got it wrong? I just was writing an email to somebody and I wanted to invite them and their girlfriend to brunch, but I've only met their girlfriend a handful of times and mm. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Great anxiety. I didn't want to say, and your girlfriend, right. that looks uncaring. And I actually do like this person's girlfriend. Yes. But I couldn't be sure that her name was blah, blah, blah. Right. So we looked on Facebook. One of those people like me, no evidence of relationship oh. on Facebook. Val had to go to the Instagram, couldn't even find a photo, just found them tagged in a photo. That's it. Like what, a photo of a I was going to suggest that. I'm like, you got to go tag photos. Why, That's where all the good stuff is. I, it's kind of like, you know, you were saying we should drive over... Together, which I completely understand. Yeah. The first time you did it, we were hanging out all day, and then yes. you came on. It's so lovely to see you. Good to see you. And you're so welcome, and I'm so excited. It wasn't you just too. like, oh, I don't want to hang unless it's on mic. Yeah, I was yeah, like yeah. authentically excited to see you, and I was yeah. like, that's such a – it's not rare, but it's special. So when I'm excited to see them, somebody and talk to them, I was like, that seems like a great podcast episode. Yes. But uh, why did I mention that? Uh, driving over and chatting kind of strips it of – what were we saying? The me- The girlfriend names? Yeah. Picking the right urinal. (laughs) Not the picking the right urinal, but knowing you're in the right bathroom for me because you see a urinal. You're like, I picked the men's men's room. When you first said it, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I just let it go. How much of life, though, is... Yeah, no, I'm glad I did, too. (laughs) How much of life, though, is these things where we're just trying to... Like, oh, I guess that was my point, is avoid the awkwardness. Like, Mm. you come in. Maybe you are in a weird place. Yeah. You mentioned that you're kind of in a weird place with comedy, which I'm like, that just means you're doing it right. We're supposed to constantly be falling in and out of love with our our craft. Yeah. And I'm very interested to talk about New York and your tour and all of that and where you're at. And and I completely understood your suggestion. You were like, let's drive over together and we'll kind of get back into our rapport. Yeah. And then I was like, sim- just like saying nice to meet you or taking a chance on somebody's name, I was like, let's take a chance and just record the beginning. Yeah. Because for me, this feeling is one of the feelings that we iron out. The crease gets ironed out just right. by watching Netflix and all we do is kind of like isolate and, and we avoid any chance of being wrong when being right all the time doesn't feel that good. Yeah. Saying nice to see you doesn't feel very good. Saying nice to meet you and having the person be like, we actually met at the inaugural ball of President Clinton. Yeah. At least we're feeling something. It might be a little awkward. Yeah. But this is why I'm worried that we're going to be living completely online in 10 years. Yes. Where, or Google Glass or something like it will <laughs> yeah. just tell me, Chris Thayer, sorry to be on such a tear here, but like I know you very well. I know Valerie even better but sometimes basic facts go away like oh yeah where they're from what they studied in college <laughs> yeah. where they went to college and this causes me anxiety yeah but the people that i love i just go just so you know it's not an indication that i don't care about you i happen to have a bad mind for trivia like yeah. I, I i won't like i know you're from like san like i want to say san antonio you know what i mean like i know you're from that kind of breaking <laughs> bad area yeah. i know a lot of your family drama but i'd be embarrassed to be like Pete, I told you that, like, yeah. I'm not entirely sure about your siblings, like, who they are. You know what I mean? Like, they died in a car fire. That's not true. That's I not would true. know that. But, like, this. We'll get there. This, this keep nobody died <laughs> in a car fire. This keeps us from making any chance. Facebook is completely safe, it, it homogenizes and, and pasteurizes any sort of awkwardness. And I don't know if that's good living. It might be better to be offended a little bit, yeah. be awkward a little bit, be scared a little bit. I hate it. What I do mean, you mean, well, I think there's still discomfort. The real world? There's still discomfort, you know, online, but 
Sure. It's just, it's so weird. You know, online like, stuff. Yeah, I think everyone thinks that they're right and gives no one else credit for like being. I don't. I don't know. Especially with like being fun, being funny line. online. Oh, like no one wants to think that anyone else is joking online. <laughs> so everyone's like, "You're being a fucking asshole." They I'm think, the only person who's right. You know? Whatever. Yeah, they think they're the class like, clown. Well, I was kidding. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, uh, when really it's a class full of clowns. Yeah, there's like one serious person. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I'll confess that sometimes, like, uh, oh wait, a better yeah. example actually is someone makes a joke and then you make a joke going, "Yeah, that's really whatever." They were they were being sarcastic in the first place. The first person, yeah. Then the second person took them seriously, thinking I'm the only person who has a sense of humor. Then they respond sarcastically, like right. "You fucking idiot!" Blah blah blah. Right. And the first person's like, "Okay, I was actually making a joke the first time." Right. And then the second person's like, "Oh sure, now you want to act like..." And it's yeah. just hell. It's complete hell. <laughs> I, that's I know exactly what you mean. Drew Michael will post something completely tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. I was very proud that I remembered his name. <laughs> uh, Drew Michael uh, and he'll post something and you can tell he's sarcastic but there's an idiot part in my brain where I'm like is he sarcastic? Because well, there's I would no agree also. facial is he sarcastic? Cues. I really don't know. Sometimes I don't know. Yeah. But there's no cue. When yeah. you listen to this it's a little bit better or even on the phone which I hate I think you know I hate talking on the phone. I love it. You love talking on the phone. I love talking on the phone. <laughs> it makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love talking on the phone. Why? Um... Ugh. I just I'm sorry, I shouldn't lash out at you. I mean, especially compared to online. It's a blind spot for me. But talking to a person in real life, like babies. Yeah, I like talking in real life too, but I also Well, I have, what's your list? I have friends that live all over the place. Sure. So I like to keep in touch with them. We have a long conversation every few months. I got enough of those friends, keeps me busy, you know, whatever. But yeah, to catch yeah, up I with guess. people and have like a hour long conversation. I love it. I've always loved talking on the phone. Do you miss talking on a landline? Do you remember the the nuance of like a receiver? Like you could pick up this sound on a receiver. You know what I mean? And you'll <laughs> never get that on a cell phone. Like the sound of your high school girlfriend, I never had one, <laughs> reluctantly hanging up. Like she doesn't yeah. want to hang up, but she's got to go. On cell phones, that just sounds like yeah. zero. I actually did recently work at a place where they had like – uh, it, it was even a cordless phone, you know? So, <laughs> but even that, I was like, oh, I like the weight. I know, I, like the, I know. The bulky, like, plastic, you know? Ugh, I love it. Beep. I love An it. An audible beep when you hang up. Yeah. Everyone else knows you're Phones done. used to be so much louder. Now I'm free. Mulaney had a great bit about how when you would turn off, like, an old Nokia phone, it would be like, yeah. <laughs> and I, I only saw him do it once, but it's like, you don't need the phone to be like, I am turning off now. <laughs> but back in the day when we were like kind of newer with phones, we thought like a cool phone meant it made a lot of noise. Oh, yeah. Like boop, boop, like for call call ID, <laughs> yeah. you even hear it on the other line. Rings, oh, loud yeah. rings. Everything's more subtle now. Yeah. Everything's vibrate. I, I don't even have vibrate on anymore. I keep it on do not, you're a do not disturber? Not do not disturb, but it's just, it doesn't ring, it doesn't vibrate. Do that's, not disturb is what? They have to contact you multiple disturb. times? No, do not disturb has a, I love do not disturb. <laughs> it, if they call you twice within five minutes, it rings. So it's like presumed an emergency. That's insane. What do you mean? You do that? What? You use do not disturb? I don't understand what's insane. I guess it's because you hate talking on the phone. So you, I just, I you, don't, get, you get text messages? I don't work for my phone, and yeah. I don't work for Netflix. Right. People are like, have you seen Stranger Things? <laughs> what is this, my job? Fucking beat it, and I don't work for my phone. When I get a text, 
it's a point of pride that it, I don't reply right away. Yeah. Somebody was texting me recently, and I was like, I'll tell you about it in person. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want – I know you're different. You're younger than I am. Yeah. And you flourish online. I love to text. You love it all. No, I don't. I, I mean, but I, I, I'm great at it, but I don't love doing it. <laughs> but I hate – when I look at my phone, if I wake up in the morning and there's like a, a bunch of texts or missed calls, I'm just like, what is this? My job? I have to reply <laughs> To my friends, if fuck I, these people. I'd rather not. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'd would like to sit quietly and read a book. I don't want. What's up? <laughs> fuck off. I'll see you for dinner. Should I bring anything? Improvise. Interesting. Leave me alone. Hmm. Do we like the constant checking in robs us of? I wish I knew the word for it, but the Japanese have a word for emptiness. There's there's room and you just went on a ten day retreat. Karate. That's not the word. <laughs> <laughs> Mom. God. Mom. Mom. You that's so funny. You just did a ten day retreat. Why aren't you telling me about the virtues of silence and emptiness? Did you not like it? I love the retreat. You did a ten day silent retreat. Silent meditation retreat. Yes. And what was, what was it? Where was it? I want to know everything. <sighs> um, Do you what? not want to talk about? It? No, no. I'm just like there's so much to cover. It's like I don't know what to specifically talk about. Could you start with how you heard about it and why you wanted to do it? Yeah, I uh, I had been meditating using an app for like two years. Which app was that? Headspace. Headspace.net. Guided meditation app. Dot net. Dot net. <laughs> <laughs> and um. Every day is a different guided meditation. Oh. And they're like in these little themed packs, you know, so it'll be like creativity. Oh. And for like 40 days, you're doing like a creativity thing. But it was kind of frustrating because it, it's mindfulness based. So I was like, what is the point of this after two years? And I'm like, I hate, I hate it. You hated it? I was like, yeah, I didn't like doing it. You know it was, what's interesting? It's 20 minutes a day. I'm like, fuck, fuck you. Why do you keep doing it? I don't because I'm like it's supposed to be good for me. Uh, it's supposed to help. It's so funny. If only I could bring myself to do it. It's was, my fault. You know, like I was whatever. just listening to Alan Watts this great lecture series called "You're It." It's really good. It's denser than Ramdas. Ramdas I listen to, and it's like pleasant. It's yeah. like watching Cheers. It's like listening to stand up. I love he's he's fu- exactly he's so funny. He's funny. He's personable. Alan Watts is just a little bit more like uh, auditing a lecture. You know what yeah. I mean? So, but if you if you stomach through, and I have to start the whole thing over. He was talking about meditation, and he was like, meditation is the only things humans do that has no purpose. Mm-hmm. So he's like, don't buy into the idea that it's for stress. Don't buy into the idea that it's supposed to like awaken your consciousness. He's like, do it. Because it's something, it's like, it's a rebellion against everything we do is for a purpose. Mm. But I, I don't even know if I agree because I catch myself doing it because I'm like, I like how I behave if yeah. I meditate in the morning. Um, so I don't know if I agree, but he said that. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's also, I have all the stuff that I learned from the retreat that I'll talk about that I don't know if I agree with because I just learned it. And then also in getting back to my life and yeah. researching it, I'm like, is this even true? Wait, you mean other people were talking to you, teaching you? I'm being instructed. Oh, I thought you were being si- – a silent retreat, in my understanding, is everyone's silent. It's a silent retreat. No, there's like a – so no one talks, but there's a recording of the guy who started this organization. Oh, boy. And so they play you – you know, I was in a cult for 10 days. I was just going to say, I what mean, is yeah. this? You were? I mean, not really, but it's like – 
I don't like this. I was excited to talk about because sorry, this is the, my last thought. But any kind of retreat, tell that's, me what, tell that's me how what any doing. retreat like that's how they work. They, what do you like, mean? They give you instruction on their like technique. At least when you're new, I don't know what it's like when you go to later on. You know, maybe you go to like let's say any of these places like Insight Meditation or Spirit Rock. These Jack Cornfield like whatever places. Sure. They're like, oh, well, you can't go on the long retreat until you've sat for a five-day retreat. Oh, really? So if you're learning instruction on the five-day, maybe, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe it later is you, totally silent when yeah. you do a 45-day so or did three a, months. So you did like a 10-day beginner. I just However, thought anyone could go to the 10-day quiet. Anyone one. can go to the 10-day. No, I mean like no one talking. Yeah, I'm. well, uh, that's the thing. Because it's like no one is talking, but there is a period where you can ask questions to the instructor you have you can sign up for it there's only a few spots and you get five minutes to ask questions to the instructors Mm -hmm. who don't talk they just sit in the front of the room they're like assistant teachers or something Mm -hmm. they're just sitting in the front of the room and all they say is like okay take a break and come back in five minutes and then you come back into the room and then they start playing another track from this guy who's the guy uh if it's a one word name i'm gonna freak out well neorb no well goenka that's his like last name, I think. S N Goenka. Goenka. Yeah. It's a one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My guru, Goenka slash cult leader. Not really. This is your guru? No, I'm kidding. Okay. Um, so... I w- I am mildly not concerned. I've been watching a lot of documentaries about cults yeah. lately. There's one called uh, Holy Hell. I just heard about it yesterday. I was going to tell you about it. Highly, I haven't seen it. Highly recommend. Okay. I'll Very check it out. good. What do you work for Netflix? It's, it's Thank not on you. Netflix. Good night. I bought it on iTunes.com. Damn it. Um, <laughs> oh, what do you work for? iTunes now? <laughs> Source, it's no Source Family. Source Family is, in my opinion, a, just a better story. Do you work for the Source Family? <laughs> I, <laughs> if anyone in the Source Family uh, hears this, please send come a, on the show. Send all your recipes. <laughs> well, they were vegetarian. I don't want to eat their weird cheeses. Are you... Uh, we'll get to your diet eventually. We're not I'm to sure. My diet. God, yeah, I was a vegan when we were together. Not I know, really. but I like. Are yeah. you raw? Are you eating raw? No, still? no, no, no. I had a big old bowl of rice and beans this morning. It was amazing. <laughs> Ooh, cheat day! <laughs> <laughs> I lunge at you. I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Also, like that could have been raw rice and beans. I guess rice. I, I guess you can't eat, you raw, can't eat rice. raw rice. <laughs> they probably do, right? Roman centurions used to eat raw quinoa, crunchy, crunchy quinoa. That sounds sad. Why do I know that? I don't know. It's a waste of. <laughs> you like don't remember Val's family. Yeah. The centurions used to eat <laughs> raw quinoa. <laughs> His right. name is Derek or De- is Cynthia. <laughs> it's a Cynthia. It's a woman. So funny. Val's brother's name is Derek. Yes. Even I know it. It wasn't Derek. Uh, I was. It was. Uh, oh, Dare Bear. Sorry, baby. I don't want to say it wasn't Derek. Oh god. Okay. Um. All right. So I was meditating with this. How app. did you find this person? Okay. Yeah. 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 Meditating with this app, and then I think I probably read like "Be Here Now," and then I was like, "Well, I guess there are other forms of meditation that do different things or whatever." With a now, different- what part of "Be Here Now" moved you? It's funny because. Was it the white part or the brown part? This is the brown part. See, the brown part isn't really... I don't find... Be, I love Ram Dass more than anybody. Yeah. He's, my, he's my jam. He's my teacher. He changed my life. But like Grist for the Mill is the book you want to read for Ram mm. If you read Be Here Now, it'll give you like a feeling. It'll yeah. kind of feel like you meditated or it'll kind of feel like you took a small dose of mushrooms or something. And that's wonderful. But I, it's not... It, it doesn't... 
it doesn't have enough like, hey, I'm a guy and I know the world is weird. It's just kind of like you are the mirror. You know what I mean? To me, it was this just the stuff about like, here's my story. I kept going up. But when you go up, you have to come back down. And yeah. then I tried to figure out, well, how do you what can you do to like try to prolong this? That's the be- isn't that the beginning part? The white part? Is that part of the white part? The white part Maybe is, it is the, the text part. that tells the story. And then the brown part is the speech. Well, I was thinking of the white part that's like after where you're like, oh, Ramdas has checked out and now they're telling me to sleep in a straw mat on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, like, at the end is not more, that white part. It's more of the second white part. Yeah. When it was originally published, it was just the brown part. Then he added the two white okay. parts. Okay, so yeah. maybe it was the first white part. And We're the- talking about the paper, by the way. There's brown paper and white paper. So, yes. okay, and I, not to say Be Here Now changed a lot of people's lives. Yeah. I'm just interested that it affected you. But yeah, so him talking about like doing LSD and feeling these feelings, but then being like, well, I have to keep getting high right. to be high. The end then what? Yeah. It's like, I touched the face of God. All right. Yeah. It's what Jack Kornfield, his book, First the Ecstasy, Then the Laundry. Man. Great book title. Um, sorry. Uh, is that okay. great? That is good. What we I actually have heard him or I read him saying that somewhere recently. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, so something I started thinking about, and then I started looking up retreats nearby, and that's like the main one that comes up. This one, uh, which is out in Twenty Nine Palms, just past Joshua Tree. Uh huh. And it's free. The first time you do it, it's free, and then every time that you do it after, it's two hundred bucks, which is still pretty good. Nothing compared yeah. to like any of these other places. You yeah. Know? Like you know yeah they're like always a thousand two thousand dollars for sure learning tm is a thousand dollars yeah yeah so unless you just want me to explain it to you <laughs> this is like uh it's a 10 day residential retreat so it's 20 bucks a day they like feed you it's a nice place hmm. you know uh anyway and then yeah i was just curious like okay well what are these other types of meditation like what am i what's going on here so what was the itch though you didn't you fucking hated your app but were you feeling restless or unhappy or i didn't want to give up on meditation you know why um because i was you know people continually are espousing the benefits you know even like one people experience it are like i like what it does for me and then it's also like scientifically they're like it really does things sure of course yep so I was like... Kind of the Seinfeld thing. When I hear Seinfeld talk about it... Yeah. I heard Seinfeld on Here's the Thing, Alec Baldwin's podcast, recently say, he goes, you know, three times a year you wake up and you feel like that was the best sleep of my life? Mm-hmm. He goes, that's what meditation is. Uh-huh. And I'm like, that's not exactly my experience, but uh-huh. I think if I had been doing it for 40 years, which is what he's been doing, maybe yeah. you do get there. So that's the practical approach. a billionaire like he is. Yeah. <laughs> that helps. Billions! Yeah. No, he's um, just watching Showtime. Billions! <laughs> I love it! So the retreat was, yeah, I, I, I was waitlisted. I found out the day of that I was getting in. So I just had to be like, okay, I guess I have nothing going on for the next 10 days. Uh, I'll go. And This is here. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And so uh, I drove out there. I checked in. Uh, they gave us a little speech, you know, before you start the silence. You go to a room, you sh- you're, like, sharing a room with somebody. You have, like, a little twin-sized bed and, like, a curtain next to it. They give you your Nikes. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually not freaked out until the yeah. part where you get uncomfortable. So I, I, I like didn't a- get uncomfortable. Oh. I mean... I thought you were, like, every- then they were teaching me things. Okay, we'll get to that. No. So uh, then, like, yeah, you, take, you, like, take the vow of silence, I think, the first night. Is that something you say? Uh, kind of ironic. 
I don't remember how exactly it went. I think they were just like, it starts now. Do you remember what your word was before you took the vow? Pizza. Just kidding. No, I don't know. (laughs) Karate. (laughs) Yeah. Um, They, yeah, they're like, tell you that the silence is beginning, I think. I don't know if I remember saying something like, okay, cool. I would have tried to sneak in like, queef. (laughs) Like now or now? (laughs) Or now? Or now? For 10 days. <laughs> but you're like the most enlightened because you're the only one that's like, which now? I'm aware of the now. Yeah, yeah. It's constantly moving. Um, so you can't talk or this is all like it's suggested that you don't. You know, no one's going to like hit you with a ruler or something. Right. But Although there are meditation, Ram Dass tells stories. That's about, why I'm just trying to be clear. It's not like that. There are more intense, almost you, like boot campy. Yeah. Like if if your posture bends, right. they whack you with something that doesn't really hurt you, but yeah, it's not totally. pleasant. Um. So you don't talk. You don't make eye contact. Oh. You don't communicate via gesture with anyone. You just kind of keep your head down for like the whole ten days. What are you wearing? Um, everybody's wearing like sweatpants, sandals, cause you're like taking them off every time you go into the meditation hall. Yeah. And then it's like hot as fuck out there. So sometimes, you know, a hat or whatever. And sure. then like, but there wasn't a shirt. uniform or like a robe or no, something. No, yeah. no, no. Um, and then the first three days they're like teaching you these other techniques to like focus your awareness, mm-hmm. but you don't really know that if you haven't done it before. So it's like Miyagi. He's teaching you to paint the fence. Yes. But then you're like, ah. Yeah. It was the whole Karate. time. <laughs> I understand. Um, I wonder if I would have made the Miyagi comparison if you hadn't said <laughs> We'll never know. There's no way we'll to know. You can't possibly know. I do that bit just to Valerie all the time. It's your bit. And she knows that. Yeah. But it's just like, we'll be like, I wonder, wonder what time the movie is. We can't know. I mean, there's literally no way to know. <laughs> <laughs> you could just check though i mean we there's we just we can't know we can't know um okay so, so what are the te- what are they're trying to teach you how to point your the focus of your awareness yes the first day you're like focusing on just the area from like the bridge of your nose to like the skin above your upper lip so mm. that like triangular area you're focusing on the sensations of your breath mm. Um, be it like you breathing onto your like area above your lip uh, or the breath going in and out of your nose or yeah. whatever. And then, so f- a full day, you're just focusing on that when you're like in the meditation hall or in your room. That's it. Yeah. Then the next two days. Uh, That's y- like all great meditation stories, by the way. You go to the teacher and he's just like. Focus on your breath. Think about your out. eyelids. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then you're just like, fuck, yeah, okay, man, no. I came for. That's what Karate Kid. Yeah. They knew what they were doing. Yeah. They were like, I came to learn karate. (laughs) Everything's a metaphor. So then the next two days, you're just focusing on just the little tiny Charlie Chaplin mustache area above your upper lip and the sensations there. So you've shrunk the area. Oh, wow. And you're, you know what I mean? Trying to focus your awareness on an even smaller area. Cool. So you can be aware of more subtle sensations, I guess. I should ask, was it cool? It sounds cool. It was kind of cool, but I mean, yeah, it was cool. Uh, it's not like fun or anything, but you're also like, is this the thing? You know, you're kind of like, well, come on, Some, mm. it's gotta be something else. Mm. Especially also, uh, nightly there are these discourses. They do show us a DVD. That's maybe the part where it's like, what's going on? Mm. Of the guy who started the place every night after we've been up since 4 a.m. <laughs> at eight o'clock every night, we watch an hour long talk from him and he's super funny as well. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. 
Um, like you can't be a cult leader unless you're like charming and funny. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, that's not true. Charles no, Manson, no, this, this is why, no, Charles Manson had to be funny yeah. for sure. For sure. This is why I'm fascinated. All of these guys, I don't want to ruin anything about Holy Hell, but they have a lot in common. Yeah. Let's just say. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're watching these, like, discourses every night from the guy who's, like, but he would, like, allude to, like, what's coming up in a couple days. So, you know, on some level, you're, like, oh, day four, they're going to give us the technique, the real technique. Can I just interject, though? This is one of the feelings I have all the time about spiritual practice or whatever you want, where you go, this is, this is what it is? Yeah. I think that's the feeling. What else could it be? Sometimes you're kind of, like, oh, pranayama, okay. Well, it's breathing in and holding it and exhaling and yeah. all these things. There's only so many things that reality can be. Yeah. We kind of – we're hoping for the part in the movie where literally the, the air in front of us tears open and, and yeah. something fucking new happens. Right. And that's one of the reasons why I'm always a spiritual person is because I'm so – I can get so weary with the things that we're able to do. We can touch, we can talk, we can listen, we can remember, we can learn, we can chant, we can escape our minds. You know what I mean? And I think one of the reasons why some people I know are drawn towards the mystical path is because we're like so fucking bored with the ordinary life. Do you not get weary of that stuff? Because isn't it usually like the gateway to that stuff is doing these things that seem boring that are like reality where it's like my breath or sitting down but I guess, chanting like you said i guess my point no i love all those things but what else could it be it, it has to be something mundane there's only mundanity or you could say it's all phenomena yeah. it's all richard Rohr says there's no such thing as merely natural but how everything, is that everything is super how is that less mundane to you considering it's they're mundane tasks just like the other no, things. No, I'm saying it is mundane. That's the right. letdown. That's oh, the spiritual see, letdown is you're like, oh, I'm going to go on retreat with Ramdas and they're going to give me the real shit. Yeah. And it turns out the real shit is just, it's yeah. like ballet. There's only so many moves. Yeah. And we're going to do this. You can, and then Ramdas will even meet you at the end. He'll tr- take a shortcut to the finish line and just go like, you don't need a practice. The whole practice is to strip you of your feeling that you needed a practice. Yeah. But unfortunately, sometimes we need a practice to get to the place where we don't need a practice. Yeah. But he's like, you never needed it. All the Zen masters say, it's 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 uh, this is another Alan Watts thing. Is the is the guru holds out his fist like you would to a child and say, do you want what's in my hand? And you can get a child really riled up. Do you mm-hmm. want it? It's very special. I don't know if you can have it. And it even kind of works. On me right now, and it's my fist. <laughs> it's your own hand. It's my own hand. Yeah. But that's the feeling of that's what the teacher is doing, and that's why they're always fucking with you and teasing you. And play, there's a mischievous mischievous nature to all of this. Even when you take mushrooms or something, you feel this thing that's kind of toying with your desire to see what's in the fist. Yeah. And then it opens, and you go, of course, it was nothing. <sighs> yeah. And then you look at your hands, and you're like, I have nothing. Oh, nothing is the thing. Right? Damn it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But sometimes... We have to go. Sometimes we take a long path to get to. Oh, I see. I think that's life. It's what they told me it was in the first place, but I couldn't understand it. But I mean, that's yeah. also too. Yeah, I, that is life. It's like I couldn't have understood it when I was where I was when I was told that. That's right. There's ways of knowing it intellectually, and then there's way that's that's knowledge. That is the and whole wisdom is embodying it. You're just you are wise. Yeah. You know knowledge, but you are wise. Yes. Well, there's also That's a the experiential component of it, though, too, which is what this place kept emphasizing. Experiential? Like experiencing it? Yes. First they're like, you could try to understand it intellectually, and that's fine, but like you're going to have to experience it to like really comprehend it. That's you know? right. And well, that's the Tao. He who knows does not speak, and he who speaks does not know. That's a thing from the Tao. Mm-hmm. 
That's exactly it. It's like these people are trying to go like, I like this analogy. It's kind of stupid and hack, but it's like, I can't tell you what a strawberry tastes like. Yeah. You have to eat a fucking strawberry. Right. So we get into these things that are things outside of our minds. They're heart experiences or what soul experiences. And then we're burdened with this bullshit task of coming back and going, it's kind of like a waterfall. And you're like, it's nothing like a waterfall. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too, is like trying to describe any of the this stuff is like, impossible right you know i guess i can ask you if it was fulfilling that's why i ask you was it cool um i think i definitely got something out of it i enjoyed the experience ultimately i felt like it was a good experience i'm glad i went um i was surprised to find out how disciplined i could be oh wow or maybe i just don't give myself enough credit i I don't know or opportunity to be disciplined right neither do i because like I said, they wake you. You wake up. They don't wake you up. They you wake up if you choose to again. Yeah. At four o'clock in the morning is when they ring the wake up bell. Okay. And you also have an alarm clock in your room that you choose when to set. And you can start meditating the meditation hall at four thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. And like I would do that four thirty mm. in the morning. I would get up and just start meditating. Wow. And then what mantra? No mantra. Just awareness. Yes. Just well, okay, the technique ultimately, th- so then you focus, you know, for two oh, you're days doing the breathing here, thing. and then on the fourth day, they teach you the technique, and it's vipassana, so you're scanning your body, like, in little section at a time, like, from head, like, down your face, down your arm, down mm. your other arm, down your front, down your back, down your leg. And are you visualizing something, like a light going No visualization, no. no mantra. That's the thing, and they keep emphasizing that, they're like... Uh, or this guy, you know, in his whatever when he's teaching you, he's <laughs> like, I know it's I, I. I mean, I'm not fully on board with the no, guy, no, and no. I don't know if I'm going to go back to the place. But. I just like that you liked it, and it was kind of working for you. And you woke up at four in the morning, but then the comedian in both of us has to be like, this fucking guy. I comes mean, because yeah. <laughs> I also am like he the when they recorded his te- him teaching, yeah, the video of the nightly discourse is from 1991. Mm-hmm. So this is a pre-internet. you know period when he recorded this Mm -hmm. so he could tell you whatever the fuck he wants like are you really gonna go home you know you could come back once a year and pay 200 bucks and do this yeah sounds pretty easy you're just supposed to keep up your meditation practice in between or are you really gonna go out and like is this true what he said did did buddha really say this or whatever you know you mean are you gonna fact check him? right but then i go home and i go is this motherfucker full of shit i like google that yeah (laughs) like I guess I need to be a little more specific. It suggests that you type in his name is full it's like of Chris shit. there. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> um, but yeah, so you do this like scanning technique. You're scanning down your body, scanning back up your body, up and down. Just feeling your body. Yes, and you're supposed to be like doing it with equanimity. They keep like emphasizing that. So like uh, you're sort of detaching from your sensations, you know, instead of being like, oh, fuck. You're like pressure, tension tingling heat pain but you're not supposed to judge it and you're supposed to be avoiding and again these are all words from like i've been indoctrinated by yeah, like, but, going but all this stuff is the same we talk about this on the podcast i'm just you... saying these are not my words yeah, yeah, yeah. when i'm like but you're in a craving, safe place nobody's, clinging nobody's aversion there. you know yeah, but that's everybody right we talk about it on the podcast all the time look at something can you look at something and not think about it it sounds so easy yeah but that's all we do as i go i go chris Thin, male, white, you know what I mean? Brown-eyed, funny. That's all we're doing. Yeah. And it keeps us out of the present, and it keeps us out. Everything is built to, for later. Yeah. Even the name, going back to how we started. When you say, if we're just two beings and we're just being, 
there's no need for your name, but you yeah. go, I'm Chris. That's a tool for later. Are you? Yeah. You go like, if you need me later, say Chris. Right, right. But we're right. not just being. You understand? Yeah. So it's all the same stuff. Nothing you're saying is that weird. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So they keep, you're, they're like, oh, the sources of your suffering are craving and clinging and aversion. So you don't want to be engaging in those when you're scanning, you know? So you're, you, you don't want to be like, I want this pain to go away, mm-hmm. you know? But you also don't want to be sneaky with yourself and be like, oh, maybe I like this pain. Yeah. So it'll go away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Little bitch. You yeah. Know? Uh, well, this is trying to put you in your soul, for lack of a better term. It's what the Christians, I guess, say. But Ramdas says your soul has no attractions or aversions. It just observes them in the ego. Yeah. That's one of the things that tripped me out when I heard that. I made a, a reminder on my phone that would tell me that all the time. The witness. So you're the witness. And you go, there is pain. There is depression. I, there is frustration. Yeah. It's not I am frustrated. You go, you try and be the thing that is the, yeah. your awareness. Right. And if you want to be secular about it, you can say, it's just you know your brain. It's fine. And you just go, like there is pain. Like I see the pain. But you are the witness, yeah. not, not the thing that has the pain. So you're trying to just witness. Hard to do. But in the process... Uh, they keep emphasizing, or he is also emphasizing, like, these habit patterns of awareness, which he refers to as sankharas, which, like, when I look that up, people are like, yeah, like, mm, Gotama Buddha, who he keeps referring to, but also being like, this isn't a Buddhist program, this isn't a Buddhist technique, blah, blah, blah. Like, they're like, "Uh, Gotama, like, Buddha mm, doesn't really focus on these sankharas that he keeps, like, hammering on like your guy by doing yeah and by and by doing this process these sankharas they'll rise to the surface and float away it sounds like uh thetans sounds like scientology like there's something inside of us that we need to get rid of yeah he's like i'm not saying in in a bad way i'm not even putting down the scientologists there seems to be a recurring theme in spiritual practice that goes there's this thing. It's our human nature. It's our lower self, and we need to rid ourselves from it. And we have different stories yeah. that we tell to help us. Yeah, he's it's, <laughs> he's all talking about how it's like purifying your like awareness or consciousness or whatever. Yeah, you know. And he he even was like uh, talking about uh, mantra meditation and visualization meditation. He's like, yes, they absolutely will focus your awareness and your concentration much faster than this process. But they don't get at these, like, root causes that we're trying to, like, you know, hmm. help relieve or whatever. And it sounds like CrossFit. Yeah. It really does. <laughs> yeah. But some people love CrossFit. I will say, though, I felt in the process. So I'm doing this stuff. Sometimes we're sitting a full hour sitting on, like, some little beanbag. And you're not moving at all. Which now that I say it, it's like doesn't sound like that much. Because I've done it a bunch. It sounds like a lot to me. Yeah. So when I meditate, I got a, the wall behind Three times back. a day. Yeah. No wall behind your back. You're just, you're just like, uh, you're, it's killing me. Yeah. My bony ass too. Like I got no, no comfort at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm th- like throbbing and I, but I am noticing like certain areas have more tension than others. And the way that I thought about it is like, we store trauma in our body, you know, mm-hmm. that's like a real thing as far as I understand. Uh, and like... So there are these like these tense areas, and what I felt like was happening is like you're kind of like kneading these areas with your mind and relieving some of the tension because like you're massaging them. Yeah, you're just okay. looking at them instead of going like, 
ah, fucking go away oh this sucks or like moving into another position i can't get comfortable why what the hell mm. so you're just looking at it and you're like mm, okay pain or whatever you know and then in the process i felt like some of the tension was like relieved you know not just the physical tension but i also felt like weird emotional shit came up where i was like whoa i wonder if that's what they're talking about with these like habit patterns of awareness like hmm. rising to the surface and floating away and i did ask my instructor about that you signed up yeah <laughs> a few times like three times because i had questions but hmm. he was like yeah you'll feel like sometimes you'll feel like really strong feelings you know coming up and whatever and i definitely had that where i had like really the specific ones that i really remember that were very clear were like related to anger and negative emotions you know because maybe it's just like more pronounced what that looks like when it was floating up to the top for me Hmm. and so it was like i thought about someone that i know that i have like strong anger and resentment towards and i had like these extremely fucked up thoughts like i have bad thoughts all the time i thought of like bad things like even violent things or whatever and it's Mm -hmm. like yeah whatever just like you know things cross your mind we talk about that all the time yeah people and this have these things seemed yeah. like not one of mine almost mm. where i was like oh that's pretty extreme i don't know where that came from really yeah so you were going deep it felt like in the process it was like being released a little bit <laughs> you know i don't know i don't know if that's true or not like because the other thing is like it's not like i'm like and now i love this person right but it felt like some of the you know, pressure around it and the weight of it maybe has been taken away. Well, it's funny when you, you uh, to go from one spiritual topic to another is that you did ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. You don't mind saying, right? No. So you did ayahuasca ceremonies and yeah. something, was it you that told me or somebody else that I know that did ayahuasca? One of the things people will do is they'll, ayahuasca, by the way, is a hallucinogen from the Amazon, the mm-hmm. two ingredients, and they mix them together and you drink it and it makes you vomit. And it is a very, very... You might vomit. You might vomit. I didn't vomit. And you have a very, very strong kind of I just cried so much but and it, the lady with this lady that was there she was so nice she was like some of us purge through our eyes oh. and I was like because ah, I was like tripping balls I'm like that's so true <laughs> <laughs> this lady knows the deal yeah, totally. of course she's sober and looking at you yeah but yeah. to you it seems so profound <laughs> yeah, yeah but a lot of people say you know, I have a lot of anger, just like a lot of people, towards my family, mm-hmm. even though my family, this is the pop-up, my family, very loving, and I love mm-hmm. them. But you, it's hard to go through life without having some built-up resentment, yeah. even for people that you do love. In fact, it might be easier to have negativity towards people you love because you want things for them. You want them to be a certain way towards you. You want them to, you to be a certain way towards them. Yeah. And you don't even get them. So you have all these conflicting desires and then the expectations and then the reality. So I was like, I heard people would go into ayahuasca ceremonies angry, let's say, at their dad. Uh-huh. And then on the way out, they were like, I still know that it's not perfect, but I feel better mm. about my dad. Like, I want to call my dad. I think yeah. a lot of people are calling their families after ayahuasca That's ceremonies. interesting. That was not me. Uh-huh. Uh, I tried to just go into the ayahuasca ceremony without too much expectation. I think my plan... And I'm not saying that this like worked out or this is like what someone should do because it's like the ceremony is still going to be whatever it is, you know? So even if you go, okay, well, I'll set this little intention. It's like, right. It's so strong. It's going to be, it's like, like maybe a good idea to do that. Yeah. And it puts you in one, you're aimed in one direction, but like, 
the thing has its own idea. It's going to, yeah. You can say I'm going to go on the Batman ride mm-hmm. and be like, I'm going to ha- pretend I'm Batman the whole time. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then get, it's so fast and go, rockets, uh, you're just like, no, yeah, I shit my pants. It was a completely yeah. different or non-Batman. Like, I thought about laundry. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I hate myself. So you went in with an intention, but then... I went in with an intention, and it was just that I wanted to like be more... Oh, more like you know i wanted to be like more loving and more maybe vulnerable and kinder to other people and myself or something mm. like that mm-hmm. and um lovely the ceremony was i really enjoyed it i mean there was two i did a night ceremony and then we woke up the next morning and did another ceremony in the morning mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the night ceremony was like really intense i cried like so much i thought about each member of my family mm. and like i felt like i had a little like one sentence, two sentence, like insight that I got to take. Oh, you kept it about each person. You it know, stayed. Yeah. See, that's what I love about hallucinogens. I, I smoke pot more now because Valerie loves pot. Mm. Although I haven't been smoking lately because I, I start to notice that little. My brain starts to feel different. Yeah. And I'm just a little less sharp, and I right. like being sharp. Yeah. So I've been taking a break, but when, especially right when the show was done, we're like, it's time to celebrate. It's time to relax, and I, I stand by it. But when I'm super high, the thing I say to Valerie all the time is, I won't remember this. I won't remember this. I won't remember this. Mm. And I don't even remember saying that because I don't. I'm not talking about getting like, you know, gravity bong super rips. I'm talking about like two reasonable hits from a powerful vape and you're just like gone. And I love it. But then you take mushrooms and I quote things that I thought on mushrooms the rest Mm. of my days. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's that's precious stuff. It is though hard because you also – Sometimes they can, you do get to quote certain things, but at the same time, there are all these poignant things and you forget them. For sure. And well, there's a great, the first flash of freedom. It's a Tom Petty song. I think it's the first flash. It might be taste. It's a, it's clearly about LSD. And he's like, um, you, you know so much, but you can't take it all or something. Uh, Tim Leary talked about hallucinogenics as being like a, eating an encyclopedia, mm-hmm. like a thousand encyclopedias. And when you're in there and it has its own language, this nonverbal language. That is the thing. Yeah. Like, uh, it frustrates me in a way. I mean, it's frustrating. Yeah. Like, I sometimes I'm like, because, you know, certain people have like uh, such vivid and eloquent ways of recounting these experiences you know Mm -hmm. so sometimes i feel like oh am i not trying hard enough to you know Mm. capture what i experience but i really am just like some of this it's like language is limiting yeah and it's like well he who knows doesn't speak all of this fucking shit that's the thing i don't know what to tell you as soon as soon as you turn it into a thought or an image it really is ruined the, and, and Rob Bell always uses the love analogy. Well, it's also, I, I like that. When you're in missing, love, you can't explain it. Yeah. It's, you're, try, you're trying to pigeon, shove it into a small That's right. compartment. That's right. And all of these details you're are You're bringing be, cups to the ocean, little yeah. Dixie cups to the ocean. And you go, well, isn't this cool? It's the ocean. Yeah. And you're like, this is shitty salt yeah. water yeah. and there's a Band-Aid in it. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Fucking stupid. But it is valuable to have those experiences yeah. where you're surrounded by information or love or energy or whatever it might be yeah. and you know even in it and this this is where you get quote unquote better at taking uh, hallucinogens if, if that's your choice and I'm not endorsing that I have to say that what do you work for hallucinogens <laughs> but there's something nice about having experiences where you go oh the human brain in all of its glory isn't the beginning and the end of knowledge or wisdom mm-hmm. it's just a thing 
that creates this reality that we play in. Yeah. And it can study and it can do miraculous things. But when you are in the ocean of whatever you want to call the hallucinogenic experience, you go, ah, uh, we don't know dick. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a val- that alone is worth doing it yeah. to go – have some modesty with your brain. I love that we know what a black hole is. I love it. But, like, there's something beautiful in going, I surrender, man. We're, yeah. we're fucking It dopes. can be very, yeah, liberating. I took mushrooms recently, and I was like, oh, right, I'm tiny and inconsequential. And, like, that could be so crushing to somebody who gives a shit. Yeah. But it can also be very liberating if to somebody who gives a shit, too. To is like, yeah. I matter, and everything is... And then you go, like... Oh, right. Not really. There's so. the beautiful I don't matter, and then there's the sad I right, don't matter. Right, right, right. Well, the Buddhist is t- trying to take you to the beautiful I don't matter. Yeah. The void. The nothing. The thing beyond manifestation, beyond yeah. intelligence. It's just the emptiness. And and this is where TJ and I, I'm always trying to get him, and he sometimes says, to concede that his Nietzsche nihilism and my love of Christ and Buddha and all these things are taking us to the same mm-hmm. vacuous glory. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I don't give a fuck how you go there. Please be an atheist. I would yeah. never want to convert anybody, but it's it's fun to know that we're all heading towards the same spot. Yeah. But it, there's a beautiful way to see it and a sad way to see it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's some, yeah, just because you get to experience it in one or the other of the ways doesn't mean it stays feeling that way either. What do you mean? You know, maybe you get to experience like the beautiful way, but it's hard to hang on to. That's right. And then sometimes you go, Isn't but I remember funny? that it said that uh, nothing was important. And well, then why? you go, well, now I'm sad and I feel like shit. Why do we have to keep, why do I, I'll just speak for myself. Why do I have to keep rereading the things that I read yeah. and re-listening to the things that I listen to. But I'm just saying it's a relationship that requires that you spend time in it. You yes. can't just go, got it, and then move on. Yeah. Because it'll go away. Next thing you know, you're super depressed yeah. or you're existential. I think I'm feeling some of that too. I'm like, I see my awareness fading away because I'm not spending 10 days in silence only focusing on it. And I'm trying to meditate and I'm like, I don't feel a sensation in my elbow, but I need to move on to my wrist. So yeah. what the fuck, you yeah. know? <laughs> but anyway, so the we were talking about the ayahuasca thing. Yeah, um, yeah. You had thoughts about each family member. I thought about each family member, so I got to take away a little thing. And then I had like some weird visual thing where it's like, I felt like I kept asking a question to like some thing, some source of knowledge outside of myself, you know? Yeah. I don't know what it was. But I kept asking, it would show me a thing, and I would go, oh, it all makes sense. Yeah. But then I would go, wait, 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 but what about this? How do you conduct your everyday life? You know, because that's the other thing is you have to live in the world. Yeah. Even if you're like, oh, everything doesn't matter. And you go, yeah, what about like systematic racism and oppression and whatever? You can't just be like, hey, did you ever think nothing matters? You know, it's like, just there's two, you know, you operate on two different levels. That's right. So I would be like, but what about this asking everyday life questions to this thing and it would show me in a visual way i was seeing like some weird path almost like some weird maze or something i'm watching these visuals unfold and then it's like but it's explaining something to me yeah explaining something to me and then we get to the end and it looks like this one thing and i go oh okay well i guess i get that but okay well what about this though and then it shows me the same thing but a different path different path right and you're going okay what what okay i guess i'm following you and then it takes you to the same place where the same the answer is the same thing and i and then eventually i go oh i'm just supposed to stop asking questions uh- <laughs> you know well it's funny richard were uh, in a book or some or a me- message i heard him give he was talking about after 
10 day, 30 day silent retreats or whatever. And I asked him, he hasn't done hallucinogens or whatever, but he does these things that are, you know, admittedly, I would imagine very trippy in their own way. Yeah. And he goes, at the end of all of them, I always go, I don't have to read any more books. <laughs> I don't have to do any meditation. Yeah. That's all a bunch of, again, glorious bullshit. It's what we're doing. It's yeah. what it's what Ramdas calls karma yoga, meaning you're running off your karma, and that is your yoga. That's your practice. So me talking to you, or me being annoyed in the car because the person in front of me did not pull out when making a left, is everything is working together to take me to where I need to go. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just like, and where do I need to go? And then I'll just do it again and again. If you believe in that reincarnation, it's just like the thing is going and going and going yeah. and going and going until one day, maybe after uh, 10 million lifetimes, you go, oh, I'm Christ. <laughs> and then you you opt out. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. But I don't even know if it makes sense to hold out for that because I feel like you're a Christ or you're not. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Even that, yeah, the incentivizing of it where they go like, oh, it doesn't matter, but, you know, you are going to have more lifetimes of suffering if you don't reach enlightenment in this one. And you're like, wait, this is heaven and hell too, you son of a bitch. Well, opting out. Yeah. Yeah. Like getting out of, getting off of this plane. Right. That's the thing that I always say. That's like Buddha's motivation was like enough of this shit. Yeah. I'm tired of being an ox. I'm tired of being a murderer. Yeah. I'm tired of getting murdered. I'm tired of being a billionaire. I'm tired of being a peasant. Yeah. I'm tired of being a rodent and I'm tired of being a snake. Like, I got to get the fuck out of here because I think I get it. But like, you know, necessary suffering. I know. Uh, I guess. I don't know. We're not going to figure it out today. But tell me, so when you take the, the drink, the it's a drink, right? Yeah. It's like a little shot, basically, of it. And then, Small amount was enough. And then how does it, compared to like a mushroom experience, does it creep in um is it visual is it euphoric is it your body yeah um so we were sitting on all these little like mats you know like i brought like a yoga mat and then i put like a sleeping bag over it or something right Mm -hmm. and there's like eight or ten of us in a room and we all have maybe two or three feet between us and then there's four on one side and four on the other side and somebody at the head of the room and someone at the other head of the room Mm -hmm. the guy leading the ceremony and his like assistant sort of person and, uh, yeah, you're supposed to, like, sit up, basically, until you can't sit anymore. That's how it went in my experience. That's what they tell you? That's what I was told, yeah. So At a certain point, you'll be like, I gotta lie down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I also had never done it, so I was, like, trying to hold out as long as I could. I'm like, I guess I could still sit. And I, I didn't want to, like, look at anybody else, because they're doing their own thing. And sure. I wanted to be doing my own thing, Isn't too. That funny? That, that attitude, though, came across in your meditation thing, too. There is this part of you... With the with the iPhone, I'm not trying to analyze you. I'm just saying I'm noticing a pattern of like, I'm not doing it if it's fake. I, and if you told me to sit until I'm supposed to sit or I'm supposed to do this program 20 minutes oh. a day, I'm going to fucking do it. Yeah. And you can't tell me not to. Well, I think it's like, I think I have an extremely addictive personality. And I also am like not very kind to myself. So like, I mean, I have to be like, I have to do this thing all the time. And then I have no flexibility. Yeah. And it's like, it just, it, both of it drives me crazy. Like, doing it all the time is like so stressful. But then when I take a break from it, I'm like, I'm a piece of shit. Mm. It's hell. Mm. It's utter hell. Where, <laughs> where is, you know, th- this actually does go, self love is very important in going, like, I want to lie down. It's like the other side of it. 
like that self rigidity, yeah. which might help us join CrossFit, second CrossFit mention, mm-hmm. is valuable. Oh, you fucking work for Netflix? <laughs> I knew you could find it. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. I was like, he'll find it. <laughs> There's that. And then self love is the guy that goes like, they told me. Uh, not to lie down in, until I really had to, but you know what? I'm going to fucking lie down. Yeah, I mean, I was feeling extreme euphoria, so yeah. I was like, I mean, I lie down because I feel so good. Or yeah, interesting. But then I like looked over. Everyone was down. Everyone had been, was down and probably had been down for a while. Interesting. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I'm going to lie down. Isn't there? I wonder if you're me, because I catch myself having. Uh, narcissistic fantasies you mm-hmm. know I, I don't know if everybody does but for me every once in a while like even if I go chanting right I, I go see Krishna Das and it's amazing and mm-hmm. I'm chanting I'll have these flashes in the middle of like a trance like state of someone on stage saying this guy's chanting better than everybody or in your case this kid stayed sitting up he must be mm-hmm. he must be a Buddha I mean I wasn't trying to I don't want to impose what yeah, I yeah, would do, yeah. but that's what I would do. I'd no, be like, I'm better at this than these people. I, I didn't. I definitely wasn't thinking of like better. I don't think mine is narcissistic, but mine is definitely. I'm so I'm very obsessed with outcomes, mm. you know, and like wanting to do it. Well, the, the main thing is it's a perfectionist thing, you know. Like it was like beat into my brain by my mom. I think really, yeah. She's like really a perfectionist, and it's like I couldn't do anything. Interesting. It was either right or it's also a black and white thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was either right, which is like whatever it should be right, or it's like fucking wrong hmm. and you're going to hear about it. Where did you learn that? When did that start? Do you have an early memory of that? I just remember like little things, you know, like my mom worked a lot. So I'd be home and it's like I'm supposed to, you know, do chores around the house. I was like always had chores from a really young age, you know. So it's like dinner when dinner is finished, you like sweep the kitchen. Hmm. Okay. Like move the table out and sweep the kitchen, you know. Sweeping, really? Yeah. And so I'm like sweeping the kitchen and then I throw the, you know, stuff in the trash that I swept up. And then my mom comes into the kitchen and she sees like, oh, there's a little tiny, you know, like visible, like, crumb from Mm. like a cracker under the edge of a counter somehow i missed Mm. and it's like you didn't sweep which is so fucked up because it negates your reality yeah you know and you're like i did sweep and then she doesn't believe me oh boy and then i and then just the feeling of being and then here i am now i'm like oh i have to do ayahuasca i have to go to cognitive behavioral therapy i have to try to meditate something's wrong with me you know yeah Wow. Because I think ultimately that's what... It's also all, I think... Because it's like, yeah, what's happened in the last four years since we did a podcast? It's like, oh, I did all these things to try to, like, fix myself, and I still, like, don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Mm. And it's just... So it's like, really, I know that the piece that's missing is the, like, self-love, self-acceptance piece. But I don't know how to get it. You can't just have it. It's like a process. It is a process. So I keep grasping, trying to change. Well, what if I do, okay, move the furniture around to go, oh, the house is still on fire, though. Okay, (laughs) well, what if I, you know? Remember when you and I, first of all, I heard what you said, and that's hard, appropriately heartbreaking. No, keep going. I'm just empathizing with you. I don't want you to think that I'm not feeling you. No, I don't. Yeah, go ahead. But remember when we went and talked to the weird guy and... Uh, yes, I do. And then remember he was like, look in the mirror and tell yourself you, I love you? Okay, this is for anyone who doesn't know. This is a psychic. We've talked about this on a previous episode, but we went to go see a psychic in yeah. Sedona, Arizona. Yeah. 
And he gave us both these readings that we felt were sort of subpar. Very vague. He was also reading out of the book. It's like he just learned it. Because what you're supposed to do is memorize what you learned in the book, and you add your little flourishes to it, yeah. and that's how you give a good like tarot reading or whatever. I feel like that's true. But he was straight up reading out of the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He read out of the book. Not adding anything. He, it was also at a time when we weren't sure if the pilot of the Pete Holmes show was going to get picked up. Right. And we both were kind of... It's like a little short story. It's very funny. Here we are, two doofuses yeah. on the road doing comedy, and we're like, let's see if a psychic knows if the show's going to yeah. get picked up. Well, that was your question. For sure. Because mine was I like... I thought that was fun for both of us. It I mean, was It was your job yes. as well. But my, then I got to ask a question afterwards, and I was like, well, I don't know something that it affects us both as much as your question about sure. our work that we could have. Right. And I was like... But he was very vague about that. I, I do want to. I want to remember oh, yeah. that he was just kind of like... We had no answer. Yeah. I was like, I just give me a general one. Yeah. And he goes, okay, pick a card. And they're these animal cards. Yeah. And I flip mine and it's the armadillo. And I was like, oh, fuck you. Because yeah, I'm like, you I, know. I know what that means. That's not a good one. I it's mean, it's accurate. not a bad one. It's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what was frustrating. Hard shell, yeah. I'm like, I've, yeah, soft inside, hard shell. I haven't, you know, like, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But then on the way out, go ahead. He said, he stopped you. Yes. It was awkward for all of us. Maybe mm-hmm. not him. And he was like, look in the mirror. And say, I love you to yourself. Yes. And I feel like you did it, but kind of like a comedy bit, kind of. (laughs) What? What? He told me to do that. You jumped up first. You go, okay, I'll do it. And you go, you look in the mirror, you go, I love you. You're a handsome guy. I think you're great. Like whatever he told us to say, which was like some corny dated thing, you know? (gasps) And then I was like, in my head, kind of like, I don't think. That was the point. I don't know. That it was for both of us to do. I you know? see. But then I, I have to go like. Isn't that me just being like, I'm doing this better than anybody else? Yeah. 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 Fingers crossed behind my back. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love you. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I've had other conversations about self love. It also just felt embarrassing in that setting. It is embarrassing. Oh, no, you should do that privately. Right. Like, it was very weird. First of all, I am appropriately, it was years ago, but I'm appropriately embarrassed that I did that. I think it's funny because I'm like, that's you. It is me. <laughs> but you know what? I, I have a distance away from who I am. You know what I'm saying? It kind of goes back to that soul thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's that <laughs> personality so I have. Yeah, that's, It's so funny. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I, I'm with a friend and we, we were having a relaxing day. You know, other days I might not have been that yeah. way, but I was that way yes. that day. But, you know, that's funny. I, I remember talking to somebody and they were like, you... Uh, seem to have learned how to love yourself, which is always a weird thing that people say because you're kind of like, you want to love yourself. I don't know if you want to come across like you love uh-huh. yourself. <laughs> yeah. That's a thing for oh, me. Oh, yeah. But I do. I used to do that. That, w- But it was a Tony Robbins thing. And... I, I told you this? No, I just... Uh, See, it's funny for all the advice. I just I... know that you like are like Tony Robbins. And I've been talking about him lately because that documentary came out. I didn't care very much for the doc- I like him as a one-on-one guy. Though. Well, I had a friend who went yeah. because they showed it at Cinefamily here. Mm-hmm. And he was like... It was so fucking weird. What do you mean? Because Tony was there. Oh, wow. At Cinefamily, which yeah. is like, you know, like a little like hip, you know, kind of like indie place. Yeah, that is weird. And Tony missed the documentary. So he was even like recounting stories that were in the film. But he had and, and clearly he, he like seen tried it. to like, he did it. He went to go do a Q&A. I don't know. Maybe he watched it. Maybe he not. He had to have. He goes and he's like trying to turn it. My, my friend says he tried to like turn it into like a seminar yeah. It was supposed to be a Q&A. And so he just totally misread the room. And everyone was like, this guy's a fucking phony. Interesting. You know? You know he showed up with three bodyguards to sin a family. Wow. And he, like, went behind somebody's back and, like, talk, like talked to somebody in the booth. And he goes, <laughs> hey, can you do this music cue for me? Didn't talk to anybody else. He had a cue, a music cue, that they, he was like, it was so cheesy. 
I completely, you know, what's funny is I do like Tony Robbins. When I watched that movie, I was like, I, it's not the Tony Robbins that, that I like. Yeah. I like in your earbuds or in the car, listening to kind of an admittedly goofy, cheesy guy. Yeah. Give you some pretty practical advice. Every for every hour you listen to him, you might get like one really cool thing that works yeah. for you. And one of them, and he used to talk about saying "I love you" in the mirror, right. right? And saying, giving yourself the love that you want, right? And and becoming the source for the love that you keep looking for from other people. And it was a time in my life I had just gotten out of a, a weird relationship, and this is pre talk show and all that stuff. And I is this right after after some is this. Someone that you, I knew you while you were dating this person? Yes. Okay, okay. That we would okay. sit yes. in San Francisco and I would vent about? Oh, that's and you would before. Be like, I know who you're talking about. You need to break up with I was thinking person. of the person after that where, yeah, you were seeing somebody for a little while. and Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, this was a big one. This was okay, like a year and a month. Yeah, and you've talked about that on here. For sure, Whatever. for sure. Okay. But um, after that, I ha- my own self-love was kind of thrown off course. Oh, yeah. And the needle was off and... And I, that's when I was very heavy, like heavy, like 50 pounds heavier than I am now. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty soft now. So like, you know, just kind of not in a great place. And a lot of what turned me around was doing some of that embarrassing Tony Robbins nonsense. Right. And it's not nonsense, but telling, I love you, Peter. I'm proud of you. All that stuff. Um, why did I tell you that? It's w- weird, though. When I hear about your mom telling you, seeing the cracker mm. that you missed... I think back. Oh, to we all... were, the point of it was yeah, it yeah. was like the self love piece, and then I was like, that's why I'm trying to do all these different things. Blah, right. blah, blah. I don't know how we got to Tony Robbins, but 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 you know what's interesting is the psychic is having these people tell you, Chris, to do these things, and this is something I learned when we were touring. Is I was like, oh no, we toured very for a long time. Yes, together. two and a half years. Two and a half years is a long time to be on. An, I mean, on and off. But yeah, yeah. But yeah. whenever I went out, it like was once or twice a month for like two and a half years. That's a lot. That's a lot of traveling together, a lot of shows together. It's a very intimate thing that yeah. you and I did. And I think by the end of it, we did need to give it a breather. I, I absolutely agree. And one of the, what I'm realizing as you're talking about this perfectionist stuff that we've never talked about, and your mom, and the and then you missed a cracker, was my. And I said this to Val this morning. Yeah. And I wasn't intending on sharing it, but I was like, I was turning into, I like giving advice. I was hoping that we would talk about our relationship. And it was something that you didn't mention in the text message where we were like, we could talk about these things or whatever. I wasn't saying. So I'm glad that this is coming up. But I think I also may know where you're going with this. I was turning into a weird, I said to Val, I'll just say what I said to Val. I was like, I was turning into a weird drunk dad. Yeah. That I was like, you were my son and i yes. thought i knew what was best for you yes and this is something i also said to val is i was like i'm i'm a couple things i'm a look at me i yeah. call myself a look at me that's why i get up on stage and yeah. i like being looked at i'm also a help me please help me yes i like getting advice i like people telling me the advice or the one line that changed their life that's why i like tony robbins yeah please i can pinpoint the people that told me you should do this in your act you should do this in i your know act. you can i know it because i did it to you right because, because the other I thing, misdiagnosed you. I was like, surely my weird comedy son will like the advice that I got. Right. And at a certain point, I think we started to resent each other. I think you also have a, you're like a, you have a help other people. Some people call it a savior complex. You know, yeah, no, like you can you, say savior complex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. And but I didn't know that. Right. It, it was it was uncomfortable for me. Yes. It wasn't how you treated me. You weren't like upsetting me necessarily. I started generating my own resentment. I'm sure. Because, because I, I didn't really like, care. 
Yeah. <laughs> you're trying to give me the wisdom that you've like gleaned from all these cool people over the years right. that has helped you get to where you are in right. your career today right. or then or whatever. And I have to do stuff on my own. Right. Like you were almost like it I, doesn't help me. Exactly. Because I'm hanging out with you and I'm going, Yeah, we're f- like we're friends. Right. You're my friend. Right. Like I, I don't care about advice. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm gonna have to do it. Again, it's the same thing but the I way said earlier I, where it's like I read the wisdom, but I still have to fail around before I get yeah. to the same place and go, oh, now it makes sense, but I couldn't have made sense of it without going through the thing I had to go through. Right. And that's the thing that I was like, this, I don't mean to infantilize you, but it made me realize that I would run a risk raising a child, yeah. not letting it touch the stove. It was a weird, I mean, yeah, there's like a whole, the whole dynamic also was weird, uh, is still not that weird, but... Like, I interact, because I know how, like, you were saying earlier, how you text and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, like, I'm like, okay, I got to, like, sort of strategically, you know, interact with this person in a certain way. And, like... With me. Yeah. And, and like, how I ask for things or not ask for things or whatever. I'm aware of those things, you know? I don't know exactly what you're talking about. Um, Can you remember asking for something? I'm trying to think. I feel like... Even the way, you know, maybe that I asked for, like, a ride today where I'm like, oh, we could talk a little bit. It wasn't even necessarily about catching up. Right. It was just, like, to get into the rhythm of... But I understand what you're saying with your explanation. But that's what's so weird. But having not had that explanation earlier, you're like, no, I think it's better to catch up. And I go, okay, well, I also need a ride to the place. Right. But I'm not going to push it because it could all be taken away from me. Yes, that's so good. So well put. Thank you for your honesty. I know that sounds fake, but I mean it. Yeah. Because when you texted me for a ride... That's when I got a glimpse of angry drunk dad. And by drunk, I don't mean I was always drunk. I just mean like there's a drunk quality to this side of myself that I don't like. So when we kind of put some space between us, it was so I could like not feel like that person, even though you never wanted me to be that person. So when you text me for a ride, I'm like, my first thought is... Doesn't he understand the whole premise of the podcast is mm-hmm. to have the conversation? Not you said so we can get in a rhythm and get our mojo going. I was like the whole point of this podcast. It's not show business. Yeah. If I'm going to tell you every thought I had, I was like, this isn't five minutes on Conan. This is coming on and having an authentic conversation, yeah. and you know that. But then the dad part of me goes, he knows that, and then he goes, he won't spend fifteen dollars on a lift or whatever it might be. Yeah. And because then I'm like, doesn't he know that this is like. This is, again, not something I'm proud of, but I'm like, this is exposure for him. Yeah. This is the show. Yeah. I never feel that way. I never feel like I'm doing him a right. favor. But I'm like, this is what I said to Val. I go, it's bullshit dad stuff that I have to work through. This yeah. is not your problem. Where I go, you have to spend money to make money. You can't spend $15. <laughs> yeah. Next time you tour, people will hear this and you're so funny and yeah. you're so great. And I'm always been such a champion that's thousands of dollars and you can't take a lift so i can do my show the way i want to do it yeah but none of that is spoken right that feels like family but i also understand some stuff like that in the way that you text me back i go like i know i it's not like i read your response and i go oh the literal thing he's saying i go okay there's like all this other shit going on and i'm some of it maybe is what you explained to me just now where i go okay well i'm just gonna leave it alone isn't that interesting that when friends start to blur into almost a familial relationship the other thing too is that there's this element of like we had a working relationship so 
you know, you're like my friend, but like I was saying in the example where I'm like, it could all be taken away. Right. I'm like treading softly with this person who is like my close friend. But at right. the same time, I'm like, Isn't don't push, don't yeah. establish, don't like push for my own boundaries or my own needs. If I really want something, I just have to accept whatever the answer is because we have this working relationship and I don't want it to go away right. and it could be taken away or whatever. But can you think of a time when you forwent your preference to not upset me? Uh, I, I can't give you a specific example. I was just wondering, it yeah. sounded like you had one. I wasn't like, give me evidence. I just remember the feelings, you know? Yeah. And no, not, I remember not it necessarily too. the specifics. It's funny that we both, and by the way, I'm not proud of anything that I just said. These are ugly Mm-hmm. feelings when i'm like i'm doing you a favor they're just i'm feelings. surprised i don't like being that person yeah though. and that's ultimately what was like oh i think we should stop touring and and then naturally i was never mad at you i never said a bad word about you yeah. i always care and love you yeah but i was like we need to it's because of how i was feeling i but, yeah i agree i also had become sort of complacent uh it's like uh, I'll just have shows with Pete, you know, like something will come up or whatever. Right. I wasn't doing anything for myself. Right. I'm Isn't like, that oh, interesting? Stuff with Pete. But again, that's a lesson that I feel like I need to learn if Val and I do have kids because I'm like, oh, I'll just give Chris exactly what my interpretation of what he wants. Yeah. He wants to be a working comedian. Come open for me. Right. I will pay, if I may, I paid for your travel and, yeah. I, and I paid you Everything. well. Paid for travel and food? hotels, food. Whatever we ride, it, ride to the show together, right? It was all. It was you were touring like I was touring, and it was and a, would pay me. A lot of the venues wouldn't even be paying me. So right. sometimes you would just be paying me out of what you made, and then that starts so loving, and then it does start to go. But I also, on my side of it, then I feel a sense of like I owe you. I feel indebted to you, and I also cannot pay you back. How can I pay you back when you, in the material sense, you're paying for everything, and you can afford to pay for everything? I'm not saying that you should, but we were back in L.A. Hey, do you want to go to, like, whatever? If I try to pay, it's like a thing where you're like, come on, don't you? You, you know that I'm not, like, making anything. So you're like, right. I got it. And I'm right. like, well, I tried to pay for something to yeah, but start I never paying wanted, back. I never wanted to I know to that you didn't. But again, we that's, did talk- that's my thing. <laughs> exactly. But we, I am not a payback guy. I know. There's somebody. But I'm a sense of indebtedness person. Yes. There you go. You know? And that's a, that's a weird under the surface yeah. thing. I mean, if we, I, I do remember, because I'm trying to... Oh, oh, we did have that conversation when I was in Boston. That's an example. What's that? Boundary thing. Yeah, go ahead. Where it, we had been touring for a long time at this point, and there was like, I was in the car, you're like lightly, lightly making fun of me. For what? Uh, I think I was like, <laughs> maybe like peeling an orange or something. I hate how oh, much you want specifics, no. oh, you know? No. But like, you go, prove it. No, no, prove it. Oh, I don't mean. I'm just kidding. I, I know. But you're like, give me an example. I want. No, no, re- give me an example. I want to remember with you because I want to. I think able I was to... like eating. I was eating something or like peeling an orange, and and you would like fuck with me about like just like I'm like I'm just kind of a mess. Yeah, a little bit. I'm yeah. not like messy or gross or whatever, but I'm just like. I think I remember. I'm this. so nervous sometimes. I'm trying so hard to do everything right. Right. That like 
It's just like, ah, oh, this person's like bumbling in a it way. Feel, now it feels so less fucking than, hard. It feels less like father and son. Now it feels like husband and wife. Yeah. Like it, and I'm not saying you one or the other. I'm, I'm the just husband, saying. But. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, sure. I'm just saying it's, we start to get into a place where literally peeling an orange. Or whatever it was. You're thinking, what is he thinking? I'm trying so hard to like not make a mess. We're driving and I'm like, you know, eating some kind of food and I'm like, just don't drop anything. I don't, because I didn't want you to make fun of me. Yeah, I know. And then I, something fell and you said we, something. Thing, and then I just like swallowed it but then like days later I was like it's these little things like this yeah. I'm trying so hard to like <laughs> do right in front of you and not seem like a fuck up yeah. but then every time I fuck up in a little tiny way you make fun of me yeah. and it makes me so miserable and I can't make fun of you I feel like I can't make fun of you back right. because you keep you're giving me all these things <laughs> which is funny because the beginning of our relationship. I used to just roast the glory you years. Yeah. The glory years before the show. We started well before I started really employing you. That, yes, the, that that was the thing. So like aggressively like, employing, but the touring as well was part of that. Yeah, the mo- money fucking things up. Right, absolutely. Because the thing, my story. By the way, I do want to point out that we had all these great times. Like, oh yeah, it was so best, fun. Some of the best like times of, the of my most life. Most fun times I've ever had. I was just thinking today, one of my fondest memories in my life, in my life, yeah, was in rental cars with you. Oh yeah, and one of them was singing the Listerine theme song and screaming. I don't remember this. It goes like, and we were screaming it at the top of our lungs. I remember we were just. Scream Ego. It might have just been screaming. I think we were just screaming. I think it started with Listerine. We went to Atlanta and Nashville, and then we were like driving, I think, back to the airport. Hours and hours in the car. And so at one point, I was like, feels good. We were like, it feels good to just scream or something. I think. And then, but we would be like, but try a different one each time. So we're both just doing these weird screams. We were like so road delirious at this point. Yeah. And just screaming back and forth. And it's like, this is eternal sunshine. Then we cut to you peeling an orange and afraid I'm going to say something. Yeah. And I'm not a bully. I'm not a bully. No. Look at my life. Like, I, I mean, I'm saying me, junior high, high school, all that college, I wasn't a bully. Yeah. But everybody has a bully in them. Right. And suddenly I'm bullying. Well, I'm also, and I'm sensitive, and I, you know, but I'm also like, I don't want to think I'm sensitive. Or and whatever. then I, you know, there's part of me that's like, in the car, we used to make fun of each other all the time. I wonder what I was saying when I'd go home I to I think bow. the work, I mean, the work thing money. also changed it. Money. You know? Cash. <laughs> but yeah. me giving you money. But here's what my frustration would manifest as. I told you, uh, see, Dad Scully. At one point, we had had a conversation about I don't mind buying you dinner and breakfast and lunch, mm-hmm. but please say thank you. Yeah, and because I was just like, I, I, I just don't think Chris is thinking in those terms. Yeah, but there's probably like months of me ingesting it. And was I not saying thank you? You weren't saying thank oh, you. Oh wow! And then you did. You started saying thank you after we had the talk. I don't mean to embarrass you. Yeah, we we are friends. That and is it, crazy. It to, so... It's just crazy for me to hear because. I feel like I say thank you for things all the time. Well, I'll give I'm not, you... Yeah, I'm not saying I don't believe you. Yeah. I'm also like, I remember a specific incident when I was younger where I'm like, I have to always say thank you. That's so interesting because I hypothesize. Look at, look at how much of um, things molding and, and uh, decaying mm-hmm. happens internally with absolutely no conversation. Yeah. Because I hypothesize that Chris thought saying thank you was a, a sign of weakness. Yeah. I was like, if Chris thinks if he says thank you, oh, no it's him bowing to me, some sort of power dynamic. Because we had the talk, and you were, it was very nice. It was very appropriate, and you're like, I'm so sorry. And, and after that, you started saying thank you. But we're touring, and it is, you know, we didn't always eat breakfast, but it was at least two meals a day. Yeah. 
and you'd always say thank you. And then slowly, again, two and a half years, slowly we got back to that place where you wouldn't say thank you. Now, I had made it a thing in my head, and yeah. I remember where we were. I think it was in Texas because we were eating barbecue. So mm-hmm. this is pre-vegan, or maybe I was being fleegan. Who knows? Yeah. But we ate some fucking barbecue, and you didn't say thank you, and it was like $150. Oh. And then I remember just being like, so I, I, this is not to embarrass you. No, I just don't even remember. Because it was thoughtless. You yeah. know what I, I, and I mean that in, the, in, the, in your I defense think, way. Yeah, yeah. You weren't thinking. You weren't like, I'm not good. But I'm thinking you are not thanking me to say fuck you because uh-huh. in my mind we had spoken about it. Yeah. So now I'm dropping – now it's $180 with the tip uh-huh. and I just spent $200 on lunch and you didn't thank me. Yeah. And this is the last one. Then we went on a tour and, and like I said, we did everything together and I have a weird rider with like glass bottles of water and stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that guy that took us to Whole Foods? Yes. And he was like, I'll just buy whatever you want because I didn't want to get what was in your rider. Yeah. So I go around and then you go around and then he bought everything. Uh-huh. I was like, you don't have to pay. You just pay for my water and I'll get the rest. He bought everything, my stuff and your stuff. Uh-huh. You didn't thank him. Uh-huh. And I was like a parent. I said thank you to that guy 50 times uh-huh. hoping you would say also thank you from me. Yeah. Which you didn't. Do you remember that? I remember going to the I think store I men- with that guy. I think I mentioned it to you, and you were like, no, I thanked him after you got out of the car. And I was like, well, what is going on? You want to say thank you like in front of me? This is just like the decay, yeah. the minutia. Doesn't it sound like a weird marriage, like two yeah. old people that are like, you left the butter knife in the sink, but that's World War Three? Yeah. Like, what the fuck happened? I don't know. But I'm a... A lot happened. I was giving you... Here's the, my apology to you, is I... I I don't know how I could have helped the money thing better. What I do feel bad about was that I – I was saying to Val just this morning – again, I, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but I was like, I think the combination of me coming off stage, mm-hmm. crushing – this is a good tour. Like you were on the tour. I really liked my act. So we had a lot of good shows. Atlanta, yeah. Remember Atlanta? Yeah. Some of the best sets of our lives. So the combination of that – Plus seeing you kind of struggling, you know what I mean? And I care about you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like – and so I'm high from stage. I'll have like a drink. And the next thing I know, I'm, I'm Pete-splaining things to right, you. Right, 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 right. And that's my – like I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. It, it was from love because mm-hmm. that's how I receive love. Yeah. I receive love with people – Mike Birbiglia, love him. He's the guy who gives me the inner scoop. You know what I mean? He mm-hmm. goes – Pete, I watched your this. You need to be doing this. Like, what are you doing with this? Yeah. That bit is this. And I feel so funny. in the sun. I hate that. I feel like I'm in the sun <laughs> and I could cry. And I'm like, thank you. That is the currency of affection to yeah. me. So all I'm doing is trying to say, and we do say I love you. Like, we say I love yeah. you. We knew we loved each other, even during the bad times. Yeah. But I was like, bad times, you know, the subtly bad times. Yeah. I was like, Chris, I love you. You should talk. Like, if you want to get Montreal, you should do this joke, this joke, this joke, this joke. And you should do something here. That thing you said to me in the car, that's a bit. It's about you. You should do it. And I'm thinking I'm opening the kingdom of heaven to you. And secretly, and I do, this is not backhanded. I really do apologize. I shouldn't have done that. I have a tendency to do that. Because it's what I like and I assume it's what you'll like. No, it's hard because I want to... You know what I mean? When somebody's like, I can tell that you giving that advice, you go, here are the keys. Yeah. <laughs> right? 
That's but exactly I, how I feel. But I'm also like, I can't drive a stick. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's not my... That's and the, it's not even my car. It's not the kind of car I drive. It's not that kind of car I drive. Yeah. So... And that, like, that caused me pain. Because even when you go like, oh, well, here's my story of what I did. And I go, okay, well, I would love to do that. But that doesn't work for me because I know who I am. And yeah. my stand-up is different. And like how things feel to me. And also my own self-limiting you know, doubt and all this stuff that's like really hard for me to overcome. Example being like you did colleges when you were like starting to make some money in yeah. comedy. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I could like do colleges or something. But then I'm like, yeah, but like, I don't, I can't picture myself writing a, enough a material book. to do a college. And I certainly can't, I feel like I certainly can't do my material because I'm like this grizzled husk <laughs> that looks you like w- them, but is like, oh, uh, my mom's dead. What's up, everybody? Right. You know? Right. So I'm like... I don't think that's an it's, option. I know. You know? So here's, I'm trying to... But you go, but these are the geese. I'm go, trying to... I can't. But it's, it's a little bit masked as I'm trying to help you. Really, I was trying to help you, certainly, but also alleviate my own pain watching yeah. you struggle. Yeah, yeah. Not that you were struggling. You're great. But I was I mean, like... It I, was also... You wouldn't get Montreal. I'm and still I'd be like, struggling. You wouldn't... Exactly. I don't know about that, but I believe you because comedy is fucking hard. Yeah. But, like, you wouldn't get Montreal or something. Yeah. And then my heart would break for you, and I'd go, they'd be lucky. And I'm glad to say this on the show. They'd be lucky to have you. Yeah. And then I go, it's bad boyfriend, bad husband, bad dad, well-intentioned, mm-hmm. who's going here. And I used to do this with other friends. God forgive me yeah. for them, too. And I mean that. I'd be like, open with this. Open. I would write set lists for other people. Yeah. That's kind of – it's not right. Berbiglia could do it for me, yeah. but that doesn't mean – what I've learned, I think what I've tried to learn from you is give advice when people ask for advice. If you had said, what should I, what should I do for Montreal, right. then we can talk. Yeah, and sometimes I would ask you about stuff and then I go, for okay, sure. that's helped. That but helps. it takes restraint to go, I'm going to, in, I'm going to feel how you feel, frustrated yeah. and upset and not try and fix it. I think I also am not a big picture thinker really. So if you're like – you do this, you do this, and then you get here. Right. I go, okay, yeah, but this person is in my fucking way. <laughs> How do I deal with that right now? Yeah, what are your frustrations? Well, okay. <laughs> Let's start by saying that I am frustrated. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm just at this point, tomorrow, I'm turning 30 tomorrow. I feel like that's part of it, too. It doesn't really matter, but, I, you know, it's like, I go, oh, okay, it feels like a little bit of a important milestone. And so I'm like taking a look at everything and being like, You're very good at that. What is this? You, what you do I want to keep? That. What do I want to let go of? And yeah, with stand up, I mean, I haven't been doing it much. And that's probably part of it too, where it's like, there's this big disconnect where doing stand up, I go like, Oh, I enjoy this. Thinking about stand up, I'm like, I think I fucking hate this kind of stand up. Yeah. Mm. Thinking about it. And it's like, well, what are my associations with it when I'm thinking about it? It's just like, I don't like the way that I feel and who I feel like I am sometimes, the things that it brings out in me, where it's like... In the world, on stage, what do you mean? Uh, the world of stand-up? I think it's wa- the world of stand-up, yeah. So it'll be like, just these fixation... And this started when I moved to LA, I think, really, because it was also, it became a option as a career, you mm-hmm. know? And then I, but then I also felt like I have to sustain this as a career. So I'm like, 
fuck, if I have to get like a day job, then I'm a piece of shit and I fucking failed, which is not true at all. Mm-hmm. Just shit happens and there's no security in doing stand-up and there's no guarantees anyway, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean anything, really. But thinking about stand-up became thinking about your entire life. It's either, yes, and it's like, it's, it's either, either success. You, you either swept the floor or you didn't. Or it's fucking failure. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there's no in-between. It's not like, oh, it's a gradual process. But I'm, you psychologically, you uh, intellectually, rather, know that there is an in-between, but you've been hardwired to not think of it that way. Yeah. In your, in your heart. Yes. And so now, I think the thing is, again, it's like changing, okay, well, maybe if I go to this retreat or I can do this ayahuasca thing, maybe that'll help me fix the, you know, the way that I feel. When it's like this deep-rooted thing. Mm. So again, it's like moving the furniture around while the house is on fire. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing where it's like... And only am I recently like, oh, shit, this is another one of these fucking things, you know, where it's like, okay, well, this brings out these certain feelings in me, and I start obsessing over the outcome, success, failure, blah, blah, blah. So worried about, like, uh, the, like, industry, am I fucking up my career, and I'm so (laughs) career-obsessed, and blah, blah, blah. So maybe I'll just, like, quit doing stand-up. When in reality, I really think I'll probably just find something else to feel like this about, because it doesn't change the feelings, I go, well, the thing must just, be the cause. It's like, no, I have else. the feelings. Yeah. It's just a vehicle to right. like bring them out. You, know? you feel this way as a comedian. You'd feel this way as a carpenter. I probably would. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, well, great. But stand-up is a heightened... I'm not... Oh, it's absolutely heightened. Never. Especially living in fucking LA. It's like, I'm constantly <laughs> just... I can't... I'm insecure. So I'm like looking at other people's paper. I don't want to be. But I'm like... Even with your friends, you go, oh, you did this thing. Cool. And then a little tinge of like, oh, what? how should I? I can, can I? It's not even jealousy necessarily. I understand. It's just like, for me, it's more like, how, oh, I should do something like that. I could never do that. No, I feel like shit. Mm. You know, I don't know how to make that happen. How do you even do something like that? I can't know. I'm so naive. I fucked up. I should have learned this stuff a long time ago. Blah, blah, blah. Mm. So. It's so funny. When I look at you, I just go, he's so young. You're such a look, which is why. What am I, your agent? I'm just saying. What do you work for, me? Yeah. <laughs> Netflix? <laughs> now I hope you do work for Netflix. <laughs> You're just such a type. There's no one like there aren't other yous. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You're just you're just you. There aren't like there's a lot of this type or this type or this type, and you're so funny. And and you have the pain of a Richard Pryor, which is why yeah, part of why I know it <laughs> sucks. It's not it's not fun for Richard Pryor either. But like I'm like that's at least why he gets to be dead. <laughs> very funny. <gasps> but that's why I'm like no, Chris is like a type of funny that that I don't think that I know that I'm not, and I think it has a lot to do with the suffering you've done. Well, that's the other thing too. Is I go well, what am I supposed to do with this shit? My comedy is not fun. <laughs> it can be, <laughs> you know. I know it can be, but I'm like. Where do I take this? Like I said, I can't go to a college. I mean, I well, you, you know, I can, but but I'm like, I understand. If I'm being honest and doing comedy the way that I have been doing comedy, and that's like part of it too. I go, well, maybe it needs to change or whatever. But I'm like, the way that I've been doing it, the way that it feels funny to me, and also honest. And who knows? I'm like, am I being honest? And is this what's funny to me, or am I processing my shit on stage? And I should be like talking about like how weird lamps are instead you know but it doesn't feel it feels disingenuous so then i go like okay well if i'm just dragging my fucking pain out in front of people and going hey look at this one this hurts but here's another one this sucks the comedy conservative in me 
this is not advice. We're just talking. What do you think about what Here I'm about to say? Advice. It's not. Oh boy, <laughs> it's certainly not advice. I just remember thinking because you have, you are coming up as a stand-up in a time of Louis and Marin and all these guys, mm. even Patton. They go up and bear their souls. So you're like, I will also bear my soul. I was coming up in a time where the biggest guys going were Seinfeld, you know, these guys right. that were doing. So we thought it was kind of, I'm happy to say, we thought it was kind of cool to talk, have a great lamp bet. I we, love a lamp bit. No, I know. Yeah. But th- but here, here's my question is, and I, this is more also for the people listening, the comedians listening. There's just a, there's different sections to the mall, mm-hmm. and if you want to sell the kids, the college kids, your candy, yeah. that's fine. You you have an antique store. There's a suit of armor, and there's like a weird dehydrated monkey hand. That's great. Yeah, save save that for your HBO special. But if you want two thousand dollars to do forty five minutes right. in South Carolina, you talk about lamps for a while, and that's okay. Maybe even that's self love to go. Hey, this is advice. I'm sorry. To just to green light. It's okay to do a lighter act sometimes. Yeah, but it just doesn't feel okay. Yeah. That's well, you're thing. a real artist, man. I love it. So I, would... I go, okay, what's funny about lamps? And then I'm like, fuck this. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Let's talk about some other shit. And then... I'm real. I think about this. But it's, And it's also like, well, if I'm going to sit down and write, which I like never do. Yeah. <laughs> why the it. fuck would I write about lamps? You know what I mean? I'm like, I'd rather write my regular fucking stand up or whatever. right. right. But again, it's like I'm I'm you know foregoing like okay yeah but if you want to make how, whatever if you want to yeah, be able yeah, to do yeah. colleges you have to sit down and write about a lamp yeah you know but the purity yours is it, oh god now I'm just hypothesizing mm-hmm. I'm very careful not to give you advice I'm so sorry it's gonna happen you're who you are yeah I know and that's fine you give advice I'm, I don't have to I take it, it. Yeah, you just true. have to know that I'm not gonna take it yeah there either you there you go so I'll th- sit through this bullshit and then <laughs> just know that I'm gonna walk out of here feeling the same it reminds me of Marin. Right? Yeah. These guys that are like, no, fuck you. Stand up is the ultimate freedom. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me. Like, I remember Brendan Walsh told me a story about opening for Drew Carey, and <laughs> Drew Carey draws a lot of old people. Uh-huh. And then uh, he'd do his act because Drew Carey loved his act. Mm-hmm. And then the old people would get upset that complain because he, you know, he's doing his act. Drew's in the wings cracking up. And he'd do very well. Yeah. I'm not, Brendan's hilarious. But some old people would get offended. Right. And I remember when he told me that story, I was like, don't do those bits because I'm a comedy conservative. Right. But Brendan, Mark Marin, and it sounds like you yeah. are these guys that go, fuck you. It's, a, it's Rage Against the Machine. Fuck <sighs> you. I won't do what you yeah. tell me. And those guys, you know, f- forget those guys. But you can take Marin, are like the long game. Yeah. You're the Iggy Pop. That go well. That's the other thing that I wonder. Fuck about, you! Though. I'm not going to do lamp jokes. I wonder though, like we are now at like peak comedy though, and that is something else that I think about. Where I'm like, you now there's a whole generation of people that grew up with these like fuck you guys <laughs> or fuck you people, right? And so there's a whole there's so I mean everyone is like doing stand up now. Yeah. So there's a million And they're all people. doing Louis stand up. I think a little bit, but Informed I think the irony the person sort of thing has has like gone away a little bit. I think there's some more sincere well maybe like Louis stand up has also just changed. I just feel like there's so many people who are like have heard those people now that there are a million people that I I just am like I don't feel that 
like unique or whatever because i'm like there's so many people that have grown up with these these people you know what i mean it's like a, th- a thousand people heard the ramones and then each one of those started a band and then each one of those you know what i mean and now we're at the point where we're like, there's like a million garage bands or whatever mm-hmm. and those being like comedians that are like fuck you comedians because everybody's a comedian now right so part of me is like i mean the reason do I- we really need another one do i really you know i'm it like it just sounds like depression i'm depressed are you probably I had a therapist who was like, I've been treating you for depression. You know, like, Is that what it is? I'm like, oh. Well, it was a different time. Well, do we really need another podcast where two people are talking? That's self-love, too. I guess, yeah. You know, it's not advice. Oh, God. No, I see what you're saying. I'm just saying, like, yeah. at a certain point, you go, yeah, because I'm me, and nobody's a comedian right. like me. And you can go, yeah. I see what you're saying. And nobody hosts a podcast like me, and nobody's a stand-up like you. Yeah. But when we zoom out in that way... And look at the mass of people that are all trying to get a spot at the table. That is enough to make you want to stop. Mm-hmm. And and then also when it sounds like when we associate stand. Well, that's the other thing. Yes, being so obsessed with getting a spot at the table. Yeah, is the, that's that's where the issue. But why is. do we do what we do? That is that is the question we've been asking. I think that's a big part of it too. Is now I'm coming up. It'll be eight years in a couple of weeks that I've been doing stand up. And I think that's the other thing, too, is, like, uh, you know, I'm turning 30, and it's going to be eight years in doing stand-up, but just neither of those, like, I'm not very old, and that's not a very long time in stand-up, you mm-hmm. know? But at a certain point, you go, okay, is this, do I really want to keep doing this, you know, four times a week? And some people that are listening to this will be like, that's fucking nothing, or whatever, mm. maybe. People that work harder than that, or more often than that. Do I really want to keep doing this four times a week, making no money for it like foregoing personal growth and relationships with other people or whatever for no return on my investment you know what i mean what would a return on your investment look like i don't really know and that's like an issue too there's never been like an end goal i'm not saying like i want to be making the big bucks you know but it's like i make no money doing Mm stand-up i make i make no money doing stand-up Mm-hmm. Even people who like have not been doing that long, like have ways to be like, yeah, I did these like three shitty casinos in a row over the weekend, and I made eight hundred bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. And at the same time, the other part of me that's like, you don't want to do you. It. Yeah. I don't know if I want to do that. So I'm like, maybe I've just like painted myself into a corner, and I'm like face the other way with my dick out, and I'm flipping everybody off, going like, why can't I work? Yeah, <laughs> you know. And then I'm like, fuck you, I don't want your work. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, people, it's it just been on my mind lately. TJ, this is going to be like the fifth podcast in a row that I've said this. Uh, but TJ said, actually, because we're going out of order, I'll say this on next week's episode as well. Okay. Because <laughs> Mike Birbiglia did it and we're pushing oh, cool. for a specific day. And I know I said this on his podcast as well. But TJ said, I do comedy because I like to make people smile. Yeah. And I believe him. By the way, that sounds so cheesy that you're like, fuck off. You like, you know, you want to buy a Corvette or something. And he's like, no, he, he just wants to lift the burden, the weight of being. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what, why do I do what I do? Literally, why do I do what I do? Yeah. And what is this all about? And I kind of talked about that with Mike, but like, do you have a sense? Is it relieving? Because here's a couple options. One, it makes you feel really good. I do stand up and you feel invincible and you feel great and you're less depressed. Great. Uh, I do stand up because it's social service. Like I want other. That's what TJ is saying. Mm-hmm. Or uh, more on the nose for fame. I want money. Mm-hmm. I, I want that life. I, yeah. I want comfort. I do it for like self 
expression, I think. You're like a purist, yeah. And I also am hoping that I am not doing it to like for like approval. I don't think that's why I'm doing it, you know? But I worry that I'm like, what if I am? What if I am and I don't even know it? But what's wrong with doing it for approval? Everybody likes approval. This is something we said. I don't want to need stand-up for approval. I want to be able to accept myself. I and I don't want to be people pin, pin that, go ahead. beholden to stand-up for a, a sense of self-worth. I hear that. I don't want but, to be a prisoner to or that. Or are we fortunate to have found the vehicle that can help us get in touch with those feelings of self-worth? I don't I want mean, to be I don't want to be beholden to Valerie for the feeling of being adored. You know what I mean? And I do adore myself. I try to. Yeah. But, but it helps to have Valerie. I don't think that I think that um it depends on what you do with it. You know what I mean? You can do it and be beholden to it and then never tap into like, "Oh, yeah, I need to like work on my own self-worth." Or you know, and then just constantly need it for approval, be needy with stand up. I don't want that, you know? Mm. And so like an addict. Yeah. Like a sad addict and it's not really getting to the marrow of your bone. It's just yeah, it's, it's just, a quick fix. It's methadone. So I don't want I hope it's not that. You know, it's funny that you say that. I guess the other my other side of that is I am not embarrassed. TJ teased me. I'm like I do stand up at least partially. Yeah. It's a mutually beneficial. They want what I'm selling. I need what they have. I guess they like what I have and we both leave feeling better and it's I'm okay of, with that. I know it's sort of it must be sort of selfish on some level cuz I don't really think about people that much. So you just so what's wrong with doing it? I go like I want to like express myself and then like you know like and the other thing too that is painful for me I guess is because I talk about myself and my life and my experience so much instead of lamps is like I think on some level I must be like if they laugh at this, then they're like, you know, approving of yes. who I am behind it. And that's if they life. don't, though, then I'm like, oh, oh I know. Okay, that's- You're in a tricky place. But we paint paintings because I go, when I look at a bar and I see this, is that what you see? And you go, yeah, I see that. And that's okay. I know. An architect rolls out a blueprint, and if everybody applauds, he feels great. So I, but when you're the not thing saying that this. I'm showing is on the, up on the board is, is go, hey, here's me. Yes or no? And then they go, ah, some thumbs down, some thumbs up, some in the middle. I go, ah, fuck. But I feel like... But if I go, the thing up here is lamps. What do we think? And they yeah. go like, eh, you it's go, less... hey, I could say fuck lamps. I don't care. Right. It's less vulnerable. I agree. Bombing, as, when I started doing more personal material, bombing was in much, much worse. <laughs> but it also felt great to do well with that. And I know you know yeah. that. But like a, an amazing date with somebody is you tell them all these secrets and they love you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what's wrong with doing that with an audience. It's painful if they don't. Right. Just like a, a date where they're like, ugh, you used to pick up your own turds or whatever the weird confession is. Yeah. Uh, if they don't like you, it hurts, but it, it, it can feel nice. And maybe it's okay to let an audience love you. Yeah. I just wish I loved myself too. That's the whole point of this whole conversation. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I guess maybe I'm holding out the, the rote of the audience. Well. I bet a lot of people have fallen in that trap of like if the if enough audiences love me, I'll start to love myself. Uh, yeah, I think it's still another example of like what I was saying before, where it's like moving the stuff around. Like, oh, I don't want to be beholden to this thing, and it's like uh, maybe I'll quit doing it because I don't want to be doing it for their approval. 
But mm. ultimately, again, the thing, the thing still is like, I like just wish that I could accept myself and like myself or whatever. Yes. You know? It would be nice to imagine a Chris in five years or maybe five months that is doing it and, and not needing it but enjoying it. Yeah. En- enjoying that it feels good but also secretly loving himself. Yeah. Or not secretly. Not secretly. You know, that, a lot of my stand-up had to do with that. Like, realize, you know, you've heard me say a million times, if you're not laughing, you're not picturing it mm-hmm. or, or you guys are wrong for yeah. not laughing. Having that, like confidence i love myself and you're stupid to not get in on this Mm -hmm. it's grotesque and it's not how i always feel as you also know yeah but that's kind of what the experiment is is to be like can we not have this just be about you enjoying my lamp jokes Mm -hmm. and can it not just be about me needing you to love me can the part of the show be come observe that i'm enjoying this and i invite you to also enjoy it yeah tricky but you you went on a tour. On I went on two tours. Like a dad, or yes. let's just say like a friend. I was so proud of you. Yeah, so we stopped touring in December of 2014. We did our last weekend in Bloomington, and then that was like full circle because we did our first weekend in, I believe, June of 2012. Damn good sub. Shortly after first podcast, which came out in May of 2012. Wow. I like thought about this stuff yesterday. <laughs> but... um. Okay, so yeah, full circle, like the first weekend we ever did together, Bloomington, Indiana, Comedy Attic, one of the best clubs in the whole country. Yeah. And then, you know, two and a half years later, last weekend we did together, Comedy Attic, so it was a nice little bow on the whole thing. That's right. I remember that. Yeah. I didn't, rem- I didn't remember that till just now. Mm-hmm. That's when we were like, this will be the last one. Yeah. And then, like I said, I had become complacent. So then 2015, I was like, now I got to start doing my own shit. Because I wasn't before. I was like, I also didn't want something that I would do to interfere with the possibility of like going on the road with you or whatever, too. You right, know? right, right. So, so you're like, living in that kind keep of Keep my schedule open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then uh, I just like started booking my own tours. And last year I went on two tours. The first tour was called No One Asked for This. And great name. Um, I went, I did 19 shows in 17 days, and it was about 3,000 miles. I drove the whole thing. I had like three legs of the tour. Like it was all in a row, but I had like one person with me for part of it and then three people with me for another part of it and then one person with me for this other part of it. Hmm. And I did this like figure eight from here up to Minneapolis and then back down through the Southwest and back. Wow. And then I did another tour. That was in uh, May to June of last well, year. But what was the, the experience like? Because here's, here's Chris I mean, going... Fuck colleges and lamp jokes. Right. I want to do me. It was cool. It was great. I mean, it was like was it the, so different. Yeah. I didn't do any clubs either, you know? Um, you did some of the venues that you and I had done. I did not. Oh, I thought you did. I thought I, you did some of the rock clubs that you and I had done. No. I'm still, that's the other thing. It's like my draw is like some small slash non-existent. Yeah, but some of the places we played were, were really Yeah, they're pretty small. Yeah. But like. I still can't fill a place like that. Yeah. I, what I would do is find a very small venue. I would contact somebody and and I would book it by not like, hey, what's the weekly show? And I'll try to line up a bunch of them. I would go, hi, so you know, like I know you're the person to contact in this town, according to other people who've said you're cool, whatever. Uh, what is a place that is like ideally low stage, low ceilings, tightly packed? Mm. And base it around that. 
the venue be the guide, you know? Mm-hmm. So then I, would, I found all these venues. I went to all these, you know, like talked to people in all these different cities. I booked all of the opening acts, which is like a lot of work too. Like every detail was like my doing. Mm-hmm. I, want, I wanted there to not be all straight white guys on every single lineup. And that's why I book every single person that's on every show, mm. uh, which is hard sometimes. You're like, oh, cool. I'm going to Salt Lake City. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know? And, um, but yeah, so I like, yeah. I, it was, I mean, people's kindness is amazing. That's what I can really say. I, I like learned. People came out to shows. That's awesome. But it's also like these local comics in other cities. People are like putting me up on their couch and like in their mm. spare room and on their air mattress or whatever. And then we drove, we were driving like every single fucking day. It was exhausting. The first tour, I was like, okay, like, you know, you learn these little things as you go along, too. You go, like, okay, a Google Doc is, like, you got to have, like, an Excel spreadsheet to, like, figure out the organization of the tour, like, every single day. You go, like, where am I going? How much is the show? What's my deal? Who do I talk to? Where am I staying? What's the address? What's the venue address? What's the house address? You know, like, whatever. Hmm. All that kind of stuff. And then the i was that tour, I was like, okay, so fucking eight-hour drives every day is too long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's too fucking long mm-hmm. and then the next tour was called road warrior <laughs> and that was i went from atlanta to minneapolis and back down and so it was like this weird sort of like sliver of the south and the midwest and it was 12 city or 12 shows in 12 days wow. and 2500 miles and that one was just like i went completely alone also <laughs> yikes so i drove alone every single day and I had like a four hour plus drive every single day. Uh, that one I just learned like don't do a show every single day, but it's doable once you get in the rhythm of it, you know. But it's also like every day that you're not doing a show, you're like losing money. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because I didn't make any money. That's the other thing. You broke like, even. Between the two tours, I think I broke even. The on, first on tour, I lost, lost money. Well. The second tour, I made a little money. And it comes out to like I broke even. Well. But that's cool because that's what I wanted. That was, that was, that's all my goal ever was even losing enough to be like, yeah, but I still just spent 19 days on the road. I traveled 3000 miles or 17 days, 17 days on the road. I did 19 shows. I traveled 3000 miles and I spent what? 200 bucks, 600 bucks. Mm. It's like, that's, you couldn't do that just on your own. If you're just traveling. Right. There's no way. Right. So getting to see all that experience, yeah, getting that. to have all that for 600 bucks. It's like, come on. Yeah you know um yeah the second tour was fucking amazing i really liked being alone really and yeah and i got to revisit some places that we had been cities like i didn't do i don't think i did any venues that we had done but i've been to i did go to cities that we had done before and sometimes the turnout would be you know better Mm. and it was like people had seen me or us you know before Mm -hmm. and that was great the pick up your orange tour (laughs) <laughs> yes jesus pick up the pieces <laughs> um and then you went to new york i moved to new york in again these these are these are great things i wish i wish that well this sounds like the tour was a success yeah i consider i mean the tours were great and then new york though i don't mean to say it wasn't a success no. but i was expecting you to go to new york and uh Again, it wasn't for me to I might go back. architecture your career, but I was like, that seems like a good move. I might go growth. back. I thought you hated it, though. It was very hard. Tell me why. 
because I moved there in November and I have grown up in the desert sun. Yeah. So you're, you're experiencing winter. It was my first winter ever in my life. Yeah. And I was new and I'm, everything slows down. I'm like so fucking lonely miserable there's no one around you know mm-hmm. even my friends are like i think i'm just gonna stay in tonight understandably it sucks no one wants cold. to do anything yeah yeah and there's nowhere to go you can't hang out in the daytime like go wander around and explore you're just like freezing your dick off and then <laughs> night comes around and it's like even colder oh no so and then i i was just i wasn't working oh my god i didn't have a job right away and i had this room that was like seven feet by eight feet a little cell you know and so I'd just be in my little cell all day, just running Where through was my your cell? thoughts. It was in Greenpoint. So it was a good spot. Mm. But I was just like running through my thoughts. Oh, what should I do? Or should I? Same shit that I'm even talking about now. Should I quit doing stand up? Should I move to so and so and do this career? Uh, you know, it's like uh, it's the, the habit pattern is clearly, it's pretty obvious to me at this point, but it, it escapes me still at the same time. I go, I'm fucking doing it again. I'm thinking I should quit stand-up when it's really I feel this way or I'm thinking I should do this when really I, it's because I feel this way, you know, whatever. Anyway, that became very clear. And I was like, I'm going fucking crazy. I can't use my brain to figure out what's going on, like what's wrong in my brain. It just yeah, doesn't work, right? you know? So then I started doing... I can't use my brain to figure out what's wrong with my brain. Yeah. It like never occurred to me. I was like, I'll be able to figure it out myself. Right. Well, that's I still a, feel like that's that. That's an Alan Watts thing, too. It's trying to prick a pin with the with pin. The pr- yeah. <laughs> with the pin. With your prick. Uh, <laughs> so at some point I was like, I need to seek outside like advisement or some sense of community. I'm just like so lonely. So I was like, I started going to therapy again, which I had already done. You know, I found a, a cognitive behavioral therapist because I had always been curious about that. What is, what is that like? It's like, you know, you get like a lot of homework and stuff. Hmm. And so you're like noticing your it's like your there's like mindfulness is part of it as well and there's all all different techniques and like little kind of homework things that you can do but you're just like noticing what kind of thoughts come up and you go oh i'm discrediting the positive or like oh i'm mm. thinking black and white or oh you know whatever interesting and you're like sometimes journaling i had this thought i had this reaction then i thought rationally about it with just facts this is what i thought and then this is how I felt after I hmm. reanalyzed it and blah, blah, blah. Discrediting the positive. I, I know a lot of people say that's great band name. <laughs> it's a good punk band. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I did that. But even then, my therapist was like, you work so fucking hard to do this. You clearly want this to work. You're doing all the things. But I feel like somehow we're still missing this peace under it all. Yeah, what is it? It's the, just how I feel about myself. Peace, I think. You know, because I'd be like, well, I did my homework and blah, blah, blah. And then I still. You're doing the work. It's funny. I was just like, Chris is, I consider myself a disciple of the weird, meaning the good stuff. Yeah. Weird, off the path. It's not just like you're meat and potatoes kind of American experience. Yeah. And you blow me away, like with what you do. Yeah. I do like hypnotherapy and I see a therapist and I meditate or whatever it might be. And you're doing even the tour and, go, and going to New York. And like, yeah. I've never seen a more disciplined and and fervent disciple of the weird yeah uh and so again but this is this is pete explaining this is this is me thinking i can advise you because it hurts me when you say that i'm like well chris let's go cold water skinny dip or whatever yeah, yeah. it might be because i'm i don't know it 
Maybe I just need to learn how to be like, well, that sounds shitty. Honestly, I think... And then just eat a sandwich, I guess. I guess. Is that what people do? I think a big piece of it... I mean, I thought about this in New York. And it doesn't mean that I'm necessarily going to do this. Because you also choose against your own self-interest so often. Mm-hmm. You know? But I think maybe a part of it is... The thing that I keep running away from might be the thing that I need the most. And I think that that is, like, stability, maybe. Mm. So I'm like running around. Oh, maybe I'll do this. Maybe this. Maybe this will be the thing. Maybe this will be the thing. And it's like I'm just so unsettled. Well, what about uh, a relationship? Because because that reminds me of how you tend not tend to be, but how I've known you to be with girls. You go out on a lot of dates, and I'm not saying you, you're just sleeping with people. I mean, no, you're I'm not. social. You go. I mean, out. it's even to the point. That's a whole other thing. Um, are we okay on time? Are you? I'm fine. Yeah. Okay. Are are okay. You edit that out. Uh, <laughs> Keep that in. Damn it. Um, yeah, the dating thing has been weird. Um, Dave Stone. One, okay, so like, my mom passed away when we were working on the Pete Holmes show. Yeah. Um, she, it all happened pretty quickly. Like, she wound up in the hospital in uh, November 2013, and then I went to go visit for Christmas in December 2013. And she, like, looked really bad. And then January 2013, it like, someone was like, yeah, hospice is coming by next week. And I was like, oh? Like, I had no idea it was terminal. And to me, that meant, like, it's terminal. Hospice doesn't come by to help you get yeah. back on yeah, your yeah, feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the day after Valentine's Day 2014, she passed away. So that's between Thanksgiving and Valentine's Day. Like... Oh, something happened. Oh, she's sick. Oh, it's terminal. Four oh, months. she's dead. Yeah. Four months. So, uh, yeah. I remember us talking about that. You're like, hospice doesn't come, and you were like the one putting that together. Yeah, my my grandma, my step grandma, like very casually was like, yeah, so hospice is coming by, and I was like, it's not hospice. Uh, People no one, are dying. <laughs> yeah, no one told me that she was dying. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. But uh. Well, that's just like a whole thing. I mean, I guess I just mentioned that because I was like, I think we're going to bring this up at some point. But well, I remember you cared for your mother. It was very, very difficult and very, very yeah. It was very, very Ramdasi to be honest. He's always talking about caring for people in their <sighs> final moments. It was hard. I mean, obviously for her, I'm sure too. <laughs> but uh, I went. You know, to for, be honest, I've never thought about how it was hard for you. When you talk about changing your mother, I was always just like, I can't believe Chris. I never thought of it as hard. Yeah, really. I guess found the strength though. Yeah, I mean, wh- when I think when I say it's hard, I'm like, it's the, the the parts where I'm like, am I being selfish or I don't know? Like, I want to keep living my life. I didn't want to like quit the show when I didn't want to move into her apartment in El Paso to take care of her. And I also feel like I'm a fucking asshole, you know, for not doing those things, right? For not wanting to do those things. Um, and I didn't have to do those things. Um. Because she died, you know? I'm not, I'm not like, and thank God. But uh, I like, I went out there. I stayed with her for a week in January. And I was just with her 20, like basically 24 7. And I like take care of her. And like, she was like bedridden. I didn't know that. Like, when I saw her for Christmas, she was like, okay. And then when I saw her at, like after, it's like, oh, she's like hallucinating. And like, she's bedridden. And she has hospice coming by. And like, She's in diapers, and I'm, like, changing my mom's diapers and, like, 
cleaning shit out of her pussy, as I say on stage. Uh, you know, uh, I just was like, oh, okay. It's just, I never, I didn't feel like put upon by it though or anything. I was just like, this is what happens. Mm. Or just not even this is what happens. Like, this is what needs to be done currently. You know, this person can't help themselves and I'm here to help them. And I'm just going to do that. It's almost like the black and white thinking is beneficial in a time like this. Yeah. Like hyper hyper rational thinking is is nice here. Yeah. I mean, I was being, yeah, so rational. Because also I had like family members that she would be like, saying one thing and then they would be like taking her literally and projecting their feelings on it and maybe she's even hallucinating with what she's saying they don't know and you know like people in my family members whatever would be like arguing with her about you know she would my mom would often say like i want to go home and she was staying in this apartment because she'd been separated from my stepdad blah blah and so she would go like i want to go home and you know they'd be like you you are home and it would become like this argument this is home but like the actual house that she was living in just a couple months before is where she's been living for the last like however many years my brother and sister who are younger than me still live there you know and who knows maybe she thinks she's in the hospital because she's in a hospital bed in this weird apartment you don't know that she's literally saying i want to go home this isn't my home mm. So, like, you know, but these, you know, people in my family would, like, make it personal. Like, this is your home. You are home. Get angry. Mm. I'm like, just fucking chill out, mm. you know? That's terrible. What are you going to do? Win an argument with this person? Yeah. Right. Like, what the fuck? What's your end goal? To yeah. be right? Yeah. Congratulations. Going to bed that night. I yeah. I won that one. Showed that bitch. Yeah. It's like. Which one? The dying one. The idiot. woman. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, I was there for that, and then I was constantly in touch with the hospice nurse, and then I came back shortly before she passed because I was like, let me know what's up, you know, when it seems like it might be towards the end. And I went, and she's not in great, you know, she's like comatose, basically. Her eyes were just floating around in her head, and the iris was gray, you know? You're like, this person's almost dead, I think. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad that I went, and I got to be there, and I came over the morning when she passed not she hadn't i think she just passed like right before i got there and so i was the first person there like no one called us to tell us it's like i showed up i think right after it happened no one was there the hospice Uh, this was now she was at like a foster care place it's like a house somebody's house where it's just been given over to like there's in each of the bedrooms there's like a dying person Mm -hmm. and then there's like a 24-hour maid or not maid sorry like a nurse or so, you know, I don't know yeah. quite what she was, but caretaker. Yeah. And she goes from room to room throughout the day. And then maybe there's somebody on a la- another shift and they switch off or whatever. So there's like 24 hour care. And it's just, yeah, that's like how it goes. Each room has like somebody else who's like dying. Hmm. And I showed up and I think she had just passed because the lady was like, hi, or like, oh, hello. She seemed a little caught off guard in retrospect. And then she like takes me over to my mom's room and uh, she was like, uh, I think she's gone <laughs> or whatever. This lady barely spoke English. She goes, I think she's gone. And I was like, oh, my mom still had like her breathing mask on. It was still going, you know, whatever. And <laughs> to me, this was like really funny. The lady just, she's, I was like, okay, I'll, yeah, I'll just like, I'd like to be alone with her or whatever. And then the lady like walks over to the machine, <laughs> the breathing machine. She has to go like, and just turn it off. I was like, all right, well, guess it's all done then. 
Wow. It's just like weird. This like this actual switch. Yeah, turn the light of off somebody's life. when you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, that was the whole thing. And the I mean, that story is what it is. The point of not the point of that. The reason I got to that is because I was we were talking about dating and stuff. Last time I think that I was on the podcast it was like Tinder like didn't exist really. It was like t- when I did in 2012. And so I had been using it like on and off. And then I, after my mom passed, I think I, again, it's one of those things where it's like I threw, threw myself into it. But I think it was also trying to like, I think I was using it as a coping mechanism. Hmm. So I was going on all these dates with all these people. And I was, and it's not like, and I was fucking them too. It's like, I would be constantly going on dates with people, sometimes going on three dates in a day or something. Mm. And it would really just be, I'm just like wasting an hour of mine and someone else's time. Why? I'm being reductive. It really wasn't like that. It's like I I would go on a date with somebody and we would hang out for an hour or whatever. And I'd be like, okay, cool. See you later. And then I don't know. What were you hoping? You weren't just trying to get laid? I think I was just distract. No, I wasn't trying to get laid. And I think I was just trying to distract myself from like feeling whatever I was what were you feeling? You, you just talked to this heartbreaking story about your mom, and I don't, it wasn't a I lot don't, of. No, what I, th- you were I think it might have been a weird manifestation of like grief or feelings or whatever, but I think I'm like. This is something I'm still trying to figure out. Like, I think I'm very in touch with my thoughts, but very out of touch with my feelings. Hmm. And I've never thought about the fact that they're different things until a therapist of mine recently was like, yo, here's what's up. And wow. I was like, oh shit, you know? <laughs> You thought, like, uh, sadness was a thought, I'm sad. Yeah. But really, it's this other swirl of color yeah. somewhere in your body. And, like, sensation and whatever. Right. Because a lot of times I go, well, yeah, but how do I feel? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, weird? Okay. Yeah. Confused? Frustrated? Like, I don't know. Yeah. But it's not like I can hone in on my feelings and no, really. Unless they're, like, so overwhelming that I'm like, ah, I'm extremely angry. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but anyway, I went. I don't remember what the original. Question, it was just about dating. I was just wondering. Yeah, I forget why, but all the things you're doing to fix to not fix yourself, excuse me, yeah. but to work on yourself, just like I do. And I was like, I think when you said I just need to settle down, mm. I came off this show experience making this TV show, and it was, it was very intense. It was wonderful, but it was a lot of work. And then there were, you know, options to be like, well, do you want to do this? When you get back, you want to do this? And I was like, no. And that's not to be like, oh, I'm so comfortable. I can say no to things. It was like, it doesn't matter if it was pres- dinner with the president. Yeah. I need, we, Val and I need time to sit on the porch. Yeah. You know, the porch and sit there with the dog. Yeah. And look, look at the tree that I look at and, and fucking cool it. And that is, I start to feel myself coming back. And Val... It's one of those things, one of those – so there's the porch, literally the house, I guess, which we love very much uh, just because it's a place that we fill with love and piano music and silly laughing and dumb songs and Bob's Burgers. And, and Val, that's the other thing that is the home thing. Mm-hmm. So that's why I asked. You were like, I need to settle down. I was like, well, maybe it's good for you to stay in a city for a while. Maybe it's good for you. <laughs> Again, it is advice, I guess. No, no, no. But I was curious if you I'm were not really. I was like rolling my eyes just now, but not at that. No, because I Because I was thinking about something else. Exploring the possibility that a stable – I always remember Maria Bamford when she started dating the man that she married. married? Yeah. Yeah. And I hope she doesn't mind me saying, but she, I, was just, I just said, is he a comedian? And she went, nope, just a real steady Eddie. 
That's and I love that. Yeah. And I'm like, shit, Val's a real steady Eddie. Like she has, uh, you know, artistic sides too mm-hmm. and different feelings. She's not always the same thing, but she is like a good foundation for me to put my mess on yeah. sometimes. Yeah, I think again, I focus so much on thinking that I can like figure it out on my own that I don't I'm like afraid of putting it on someone else. You know? But you said yourself the thing you can't fix your own brain with your brain. I don't want anyone else to fix it. It doesn't mean I clearly I keep trying yeah. or trying to fix it with other things, but it's not I don't really want it, I don't want it to be other people. A relationship isn't just another thing then? Uh, Couldn't it be another thing that would liberate you from this? Help liberate? I'm my initial impulse is to say no because these other things are like therapeutic things or modalities or whatever you know so it's like i go to a therapist with the intention of working on it or i go to do ayahuasca the stand-up thing it's like oh do we get a good feeling from stand-up do i get a therapeutic sensation making love with val yes i do does that mean i went into it narcissistically or selfishly yeah i don't think so i think it's just okay to green light that part of being in a relationship is to get. I right. go to give, but I also go to get. I guess I just think of it differently. Like when you talk about a therapeutic sensation from like having sex or whatever, I don't. Uh, I think of the th- when I think of therapeutic, I think of it as so much of a heavier thing because I f- I feel like I have all this shit that I need to work on or whatever, and so you know. Doing things that you enjoy is one thing. I don't think of those as necessarily therapeutic, even though they actually are, you know. Uh, but I don't know. I just like, when I think of mixing the two in a way, I'm like, I just don't want to bring anyone else into this sh- shit. And like, I yeah, I also am like, I want to date people and I like enjoy hooking up with people or whatever. But I... When I think about my life, I don't really picture myself winding up with somebody, you know? Interesting. Mm-hmm. You, I didn't know that about you. And that could also be because of how I feel about myself or whatever, where I'm like, oh, just... Well, you know what keeps nagging me? The, the Same that, thing with comedy, though, where it's like, I don't picture myself but that's the thing. amounting to anything when in comedy. When you say, you said earlier, cleaning shit out of your mom's pussy, right? And, mm-hmm. and I've seen you do that bit. I wonder if there is part of you that goes, I don't love me, and I dare you to love me. And if you want to, I'm going to tell you that I clean shit out of my mother's pussy. Right. So you'll feel how I... We get the world we deserve. Yeah. We get the world that we make. Right. Not always. I understand that there are external No, I see what you're saying. You're trying to, like, defy them to, like, well, accept you're in, you. You're inviting them to the model of love that you've imposed on yourself. Yeah. Where you go, the real me is like that's right, so gross. And the same thing with a relationship. You go like, I don't want to invite someone into this shit, but you have so much to give. I know you're one of my favorite people. That when we met in Austin and we went out to the tequila or the Mexican place, there was tequila involved. One of the hardest times I ever laughed, and it meant so much when you said to me, "I wish I had a framed photo." Do you remember this? I wish I had a framed photo of you laughing, because you would make me laugh harder than anybody in my life, Mm -hmm. and that is. You know, that was the good version of I'll be like your your more successful or more seasoned, whatever you want to say, yeah. comedian friend, and it'll mean something to you yeah. that I'm laughing. But there you were giving so much, you know. And our, our, our relationship certainly changed, but at the at the beginning and now we've I feel 
we're, we're healing even mm-hmm. in this conversation. But the whole time, even when we were kind of like, Chris doesn't say thank you or whatever, I always knew and see you as somebody with a lot to give. Like a, a, an incredibly talented person, but an incredibly empathetic and kind person. Yeah. So when you say I don't want to invite people into this shit, I'm kind of like, uh, there's part of me that the, the tough love wants to be like, who are you to isolate me from your shit? Maybe I like your shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Or maybe, and, and maybe there would be another person. I, I, I hear what you're saying. It's not like what you're saying is crazy. I agree with you as well, though. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I have all these good traits. I try so hard to like work on myself whether or not that's like warranted when the thing is like me just thinking i'm flawed and all this stuff and it's like i'm not i know that i'm not a bad person but But for some reason i can't just be like so i'm okay then yeah it's like it's funny it goes back to that like you know not you know knowledge and you are wise sort of thing there is a there is a something in between the things you know and the work you're doing and the ayahuasca you're taking and mm-hmm. the meditation. And then here's Chris, the deep, deep Chris. And there, there does seem to be a lid, like a glass ceiling in yeah. between those things. Um, and w- you just have to, you know, I, I don't have the solution. Here, here maybe I'm growing. I, I don't even have an idea of how to remove that. I don't thing. know. I'm trying to figure it out myself. I, yeah. There, uh, Yeah. I'm, I'm tempted to go into advice, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with. <laughs> you I, can no 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 I'm again. Gonna, it's like I'm gonna stick with no 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 because that's what you're helping me realize. What's interesting is that sometimes advice isn't the right thing. Sometimes mm-hmm. the right thing is to sit shiva and go, mm-hmm. oh, I, you want to eat a casserole because I have nothing to bring your mother back. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I do remember and do know the Chris that when I was going through that breakup and we were sitting in San Francisco. Mm-hmm how you were the friend that would listen and help me kind of articulate. Like I knew I had to get out of this thing and you would be the guy that was like, you were in, in essence saying you deserve to be happy. You should be out of this. You're in pain. And then maybe that is, you know, something that you don't really like having done to yourself. It meant a lot to me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the point of that example that kind of went sideways. The point of that example was here's a person of value who's not just an okay person or a good person. This is like a great person. This is like a special person. Everybody, I, I do feel like everybody to certain people is a great person. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I want to think it's rote. I don't know. What? Like cracking that. It's just like hitting it over and over and I think over it is. I think and, and you get and so over. distracted and then all of your distractions go through the filter of you not loving yourself and you don't realize it that like you get away from hitting the thing over and over and over so you go like oh yeah i'm trying to you know focus on liking myself and cracking the thing and opening the lid or whatever yeah but then you have all this shit going on in your life that again comes through that filter where you go oh but i have to do this and then you know you go oh but i'm five minutes late and i'm a fucking piece of shit you know and it's like you really just have to be so on top of it. It's like it sneaks in in so many ways, you know? Right, right. But not to say that it's not worth working on. Right. Again, and all this stuff of like you a- have that. awareness and mindfulness and all this stuff, it all plays into it, you know? It's you, have, like, you have a lot of tenacity. I think what it sounds like you're working on is some malleability. Is that the word? Some, some bend. Mm-hmm. Like you're good at being like, Here's the thing. Yeah. I got to fix it. 
I'm like rigid, but not flexible. flexible right, 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 right. Which is what, what could help me. I guess. I, I mean, think I think it is I a thing that I could. Think, yeah. I don't know. I say I guess because I don't want to be like, yeah, it sounds like that's your problem. I, I don't know. I don't want to make you feel yeah. bad either. But, you know, like we had this, I can tell you're you're going through it with this advice thing. Yeah, well, no, I feel bad about, you know, doing that to you. I mean, I, I, I understand why I did it, but I still feel bad about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it is also hard for me to see you being like, <laughs> yeah, but maybe that's never mind. Maybe that's something I have to learn. I, it's a very... I've said it before. The reason, one of the reasons I love this podcast is I, I can talk to however many people are listening, and they seem to like my advice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's a, well. How would they like it every fucking day of their life? <laughs> well, they listen. lord it over you. Every, Just kidding. Every Wednesday. <laughs> uh, you're right. No, no, no. I know, and that's a fair point. But uh, that that is another example of getting the the world that we. Uh, I don't want to say deserve. Didn't Sarah Silverman say that? She said it at the DNC. She also said it to me that week, which was weird. It was like her she was therapist by said, you. "You get." <laughs> yeah, she was she was open micing it on me for her the Democratic National <laughs> Convention. She's saying we get the world that we deserve, and I, I think there's something about me being like, "I'm a look at me, and I'm a help me." And I, I and also added to the mix, which you said is in the ballpark of a savior complex. I don't think I have a savior complex. I'm, I will entertain people if they'd like to tell me. I wouldn't be like, where did that come from? Yeah. Just in the way that I'll listen to anybody that would be like, you seem to have some narcissistic tendencies. Yeah. Be like, go on. <laughs> At least I'll say go on. I'm not going to be like, fuck off. Yeah. Um, but so then I I noticed that there's this energy that wants to go somewhere, and then created a podcast that helped me. Uh, sieve drain mm-hmm. that thing. Yeah, I I don't think I would be as a good of a boyfriend to Val if I would because I don't give Val advice. Mm-hmm. I don't. In fact, I was talking about how funny she is, and I was like, you should take an improv class. And I was like, I just mean that as a compliment. I just mean like you could. Yeah, because that's something I remember telling you. I was like, you should take one hundred and one. I was like, God, I, I, but this is how we learn pain. We yeah. learn from pain. I'm sure it's also your perception <laughs> of Val too. What do you mean? I think you see or saw me as I'm hurting, I'm suffering, yes, I'm going right. through it. That's right. Whereas Val is like this light and bubbly person. Yes. What advice could you give someone who's that's already right. so happy? Isn't that fun that I found the person that I'm like, oh, I actually see her as a great teacher of me. Yeah. And I'm like, and I say it all the time, I'm like, I meditate so I can be more like Val. Val just, <laughs> Val just is. Yeah. She's, she's, she's your guru. She's sunlight. She might be. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about gurus. And I'm like, funny. why don't, where's my, where's my guru? Where's that, not just a teacher, but where's that specific mystical soul connection? I was like, it very well might be Val. Yeah. And that's a Ram Dass thing too. He's like, you go to India and Tibet looking for Buddha and it might have been your Aunt Carol. That's funny. Cooking chicken soup the whole time. Yeah. And you come home from Tibet and you collapse at her feet because now you know how to see. And she says, do you want some soup? <laughs> Isn't that fun? Yeah. So, I don't know. Is there anything else? I mean, we got it all. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. It's tomorrow. It is tomorrow. August 1st. This will be out after that. This will be out after that. So say happy belated birthday to me on the internet. Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I do it, everybody. <laughs> That's why I do it. Happy belated birthday. 
you know, I, watching Birbiglia's movie, I'm like, at what point is it okay to be like, yeah, I do want people to say happy birthday. Is it all about green lighting? What are we going to green light? What, do you want people to say happy birthday? Not necessarily. No, I don't really. There might have been a time when I would have checked my Facebook page to see who says happy birthday or whatever. And don't get me wrong, it's nice. You know, it condenses them all into one. I have thing, my birthday you know? hidden. Really? That's who I am. You don't want people to know. That just shows. It just shows. <laughs> I don't know. But it goes back to like, I don't necessarily. I found my I found my home in a lot of people. And my birthday people, I have different classes of friends. Not classes. Different. I just mean classrooms. Different air, groups. <laughs> That's a better word. <laughs> and my birthday group is Rob Bell. Rob and Kristen oh, yeah. Bell and Glenn and Iris and Dave uh, and Sarah Vanderveen and all these wonderful people. Dave Stone. And Dave Stone is there in his van and I love him and I always remember his name. But like they're interesting people. We go to dinner like that. Those are my like they're all in there. They're all older than me. Yeah. But they're all wiser than me. They're all a little bit more calm. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's something where I go like these are the people we want to be on my birthday, on Valerie's birthday. You'd think it would be like, you know, Kumail, TJ, all these people are wonderful friends. But on my birthday, I always find myself with the people that that bring me down to the most log cabin-y fireplace Mm-hmm. sort of iron skillet people. I get that. So that's it's the people that you want to be accepted by. And that's like a big, feels like a big piece of acceptance. Of it's also like, the people that just I remembered so, a thing about you. So purely oh, accept me. me. Yeah. Yeah. They've always, I've never seen more unconditional love than from specifically Rob and Kristen, but I mean all of them. Yeah. So that's, that's that was a nice little anecdote about warmth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what we do. We go and collect these people that see us and love us. And this isn't advice. <laughs> it's just that's definitely what works is finding those people. Yeah. For whatever works, it's just what's good. Do you feel sati- – I, I unloaded a lot about – do you feel good about our conversation? Do you feel I feel good. Clean? Was I think I went a little stuff? off the rails. Earlier I was talking about like – I started talking about my mom, but we were talking about dating. I think uh, I got a little – I mixed that whole thing up, but I no, I yeah, I was just saying like I didn't want to talk about dating. I wanted to just talk about what you wanted. Yeah, to Yeah, I just about. felt like I I sort of went to a dead end with that. But what I was sort of saying is like I think I've come to, I've like at this weird place with with dating where it's like because apps and the internet exist, I, I think it's almost like sometimes it's become like this compulsion for me, even you know you know having stepped away from this period of grief with my mom or whatever where I was like. Uh, dating constantly, blah, 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 probably to hide these feelings or whatever. I still think now I do it, I use like online dating in a similar way sometimes mm. where it's mm. like this compulsion more than anything. And so I'll just spend so much time. It eats up so much time, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like time spent distracting yourself. But you don't play video games or watch movies. No. <laughs> You're playing Pokemon Go with people, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Using a lure. Yeah. No, I don't know. Uh, so I feel weird about it. You know, I, I'm like, but I also want to meet people. And I quit drinking since the first podcast we did, I was talking about being ambivalent about it. And yeah, that's a whole other thing, too. I mean, not we don't have to go into this and we're wrapping up. Yeah. But I just mean, like, I was ambivalent about that. I think that was also a big catalyst for all this kind of shit that we've been talking about. Is like, I was ambivalent about drinking. I talked about that on the first podcast that we did. And that was in, like... May or something, 2012. December 2012, I quit drinking. So it's been quite a while, yeah. almost four years. Yeah. But 
by removing drinking, which created new little daily stresses to be like, oh, what did I do last night? I think those were, it was also just a form of temporary distraction. I would wake up hungover and then I would have like a new immediate thing to be stressed about. Yeah. You know? And then once I got rid of that, I now am able to like focus on like, oh, I was concerned about all these little messes I was making on a however often basis. Turns out there was a huge sinkhole I had my back turned to, mm-hmm. you know? And now I'm like trying to, I feel like I'm trying to tend to that more, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is good, but it's so much fucking work and it's hard and there's no, it feels like there's no break from it because the break used to be at least you get the night time of being drunk mm. before the hangover and what happened last night in the daytime. Mm-hmm. But now I'm just like aware. Yeah. You got to go back to the Claremont, man. I've never seen you. You weren't even drinking. I was dancing and well, I got to go downstairs. Dancing. Oh my God. They I have this P-Funk art show downstairs at Meltdown right now. That's, oh yeah. No, when I, is. when I walked in, I was like, this is crazy. That's yeah. what, a, what a serendipitous thing. Yeah. But when I saw you dancing with the hard one guy. Yeah. Yeah. Remember yeah. What, you, you weren't dancing with him, but you were dancing next right. to each other. I have never seen, it looked like you were skydiving. <laughs> yeah. Like somebody, you were so gone. I love, yeah. I just zone out in my own world. I fucking love dancing. And then the guy, DJ Romeo Cologne at the Claremont Lounge in Atlanta. Still DJs, I think, every Saturday or whatever. Uh, just zoned out. And they were playing all this shit that I really love, James Brown and Parliament Funkadelic. And then the shirtless, like, black dude with the huge hoop earrings. Yeah. Uh, Ted. Whose approval I wanted more than anybody else, of yeah, course. Yeah, for sure. At the end of the night, he's like, man, you really got it on the one. And the one is like this whole concept in James Brown's music, which then went, goes into Parliament Funkadelic's music and because they like learn from James hey, Brown. One, two, three. Yes. One. Yes. A hard one. Yes. Well, you're stomping on it. Yeah. yeah. But it's not like a conscious thing. I'm just like, that's how it feels. That's how the music sounds. Yeah. And I was like, just like elevated. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, of all the things you could have said, it was such a specific thing. Yeah, no, And I, I knew what it meant because it was so special to me. The music was supposed to, you know, like, yeah, just, it was great. There is a way to wrap up everything we've said and tie it into that. Like, I hope you find blah, 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 a hard one in your life or mm-hmm. whatever, but... Who gives a shit? (laughs) 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 Well, thanks, man. I'm glad we did. I'm glad we did it on mic. Yes, it was good to do. Me too. It was good to catch up. It was genuinely great to see you. I hope. Oh, that is the one other thing. In wanting to drive over, it was like to get the fucking juices flowing because I've been pretty depressed and I've been at home. I just moved back from New York. I'll give you right home. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I I just moved back from New York, so I've been like podcast related. I've been like depressed at home not really talking to anybody haven't really been going on stage at all and so i'm like wasn't feeling particularly funny and the podcast and everything that we've done has like have been such great opportunities for me and i really appreciate that so thank you again you're welcome for that um but i think i was also like I texted you yesterday, like, well, I'm in a weird place with comedy. Like, yeah, I want to do the podcast, but, you know, I have some reservations. Maybe maybe it'd be good to talk about. I don't know. Part of it also, me wanting to ride over, even though it's like, yes, I understand how it works or whatever. We catch up on mic. But it's also like, again, that fixation on outcomes. I'm like, I want it to be good. The first one was like, changed my 
trajectory of my comedy career mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. or but yes but also mm-hmm. sort of because now i'm back to being me and i'm like fuck what do i do again <laughs> um but you know so i was like really worried about that because this one has no fucking filthy cosby there's no 500 weeks i'm just like this one's gonna be a downer for people or i don't know no that's great you know i'm just like damn it is this is I'm not damn it. I'm we glad say, that we had this conversation. We say on the you did the podcast four years ago, as you said, and I, since then I've said many times we stopped trying to be funny on the show a long time ago. Meaning, if comedy happens, yes, I'm looking at the medium soup poster that Aristotle made us. What do you work for? Medium soup. That'll be the catchphrase. <laughs> What's that? Did he? What, what do you work for? Medium soup. Uh, okay, okay, folks. But you know. Uh, the first time we did it, we had been driving around, and if you remember, 500 Weeks was a bit that you did in the car. Yes. And then on the podcast, I had to say, do 500 Weeks. Right. And it wasn't as good. It was great. People still yell it at both of us. Yes. But I was like, it's so much better to have it happen organically. But if comedy doesn't happen, I just want the podcast to be what life is. That's why I was like, if it's awkward, when we when we kind of air out, do like a, 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 a what is it, autopsy on like a weird part of a friendship, great. I did the same thing with Middle Ditch. People love that episode. Yeah, people love the unfunny episodes, and I thought this one was pretty funny. I mean, in pockets. <laughs> one last thing, I saw a guy in New York with a with a not feeling it shirt. Yeah, and I, I got like flustered, you know, because I was like, "Oh my god, that guy listens to the podcast." And then I was like, I kind of wanted to say something. Yeah, but I was like, I guess the end result would be like, "Hey, you must know who I am." <laughs> sort of thing so then i was like what am i thinking that's funny i'm like what could i have done i'm like i could have yelled 500 weeks at him <laughs> and then be like hey do you recognize me yeah and i was just like it's just this really weird moment that is funny Ugh. all right well like, again i i think it's interesting motive and 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 green lighting I know. is it okay to go up to that guy and go 500 weeks <laughs> i mean i understand again everything every single thing you've said None of it sounds like crazy. Yeah. I do think some of it isn't, and, and you already know this, as loving to yourself as you could be. Oh, yeah. What's so wrong about going, hey, I, I, I love that podcast. You could lie and say that and then say I was on that podcast. Yeah. I love eight episodes of that podcast. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Going to be nine in August. Um, yeah. I feel good. Good. Um, all right. Well, uh, I feel great. Good to see you. <sighs> Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. This was fun. And uh, would you say the final thing? Yes. What if you didn't know what it was? That's been happening to me lately. Oh, yeah. Can I plug stuff, too? Yeah. After? You do it before. Okay. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Thayer Says. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram at Whoomp. There it is. That's W-H-O-O-M-P. Thayer, T-H-A-Y-E-R. It is. Come on. You know how to spell it. Um, my website, this is Chris Thayer.com. Tour dates, I mean, not really, but you know, shows. <laughs> shows. I got a couple shows. Come on, man. I thought when you were going to plug something, it was like, I have a show coming up or something. No, I'm these hurting. Are, these are, these I'm are hurting. Just social. I'm hurting. Facebook. Uh, social media. I got MySpace still. Yeah, Google Chris Thayer. And you can find all of this stuff. Yeah, Google, YouTube, all those. Uh, major outlets. Oh, you're on Google. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was on TV. We forgot about that. Yeah, I know. Doesn't matter. All right, look. Uh, I was too busy listening to you say I make no money at stand-up to point out that you were on Adam's uh, Adam Devine's house party. That is true. Which had to have paid some money. 
eight hundred dollars. There you go. You're right, and it was actually more than that. But <laughs> wow, I know that's who I am. You that shows that, you something about you me. You turn that story into I make no money at the <laughs> Yeah, because that's what you're trying to show show my true colors. I'm trying to hide. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, five hundred um, weeks. Five hundred weeks. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> And if you're listening to the podcast, uh, whether it's your first time or you're returning, you know, every time at the end of the podcast, we always say a little phrase, goes a little something like this. <clears throat> Keep it crispy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're going to say something else. <laughs> thank you, Chris. Yeah, thank you for having me. Keep it crisp. Pete. 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 Keep it crisp, Pete. Creep, creep it crisp, Pete. Creep it crisp, Pete. Keep it crisp, Pete. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com.